What's cracking, everybody? Welcome back to the HQ. Welcome back to Big Dogs Gotta Eat, BDGE Fancy Football. I'm Nicholas. This is going to be a different episode than you guys are used to, especially if you're newer to the channel. Throughout most of the offseason, I did a weekly series on my channel where I interviewed uh, one of the bigger influencers in the fantasy football space, whether it was someone from Fantasy Footballers or uh, Yahoo, the NFL Network, one of those sites. But it was no player analysis, nothing to do with fantasy football in itself in terms of the content. It was all marketing, business, entrepreneurship. Like That is what I'm really passionate about. And someone reached out to me, uh, my man Sky from the Candlestick Kids podcast, and asked me if he could interview me in the same way that I had interviewed a lot of these guys. And the point of the series was to hopefully inspire people who wanted to break into the industry, uh, really whatever industry you were in, and get a feel for where these guys got started, what their path was like, the things that they overcame, what kind of innovative things are they doing within the industry and just guys that I looked up to and and were on a very big platform and I really wanted to get their point of view on things so the next couple hours are it's a very long interview but it's really fucking good if you're into any of that stuff I named just in terms of branding and building a brand content creating marketing the business side of all the stuff that I do this is a really good interview it's actually probably one of my favorite interviews I've ever done I think you guys will get a shitload from it if you do find it valuable you know and it helped you out or you think it'll help other people out in your life all I ask is that you share this and that's really it so make sure you're going to follow Sky's stuff I will link all of his stuff down in the description. Um, he's one of the newer content creators, but you'll get a feel for him straight off the bat. And uh, he fits in well with what I'm doing over here at my channel. And I appreciate him having me on his podcast to talk about these things. Because again, these are the things that I'm most passionate about. So you'll probably see a side of me. We got pretty damn deep in this one and we talked about everything. So you'll see a side of me if you haven't watched any of my vlogs or my behind the scenes stuff in this video that I hope you guys enjoy. So that being said, let's hit the intro. Appreciate you. And I was mentioning before we hopped on, uh, I've been, you know, really inspired by you and your team uh, for what you all have been doing kind of from the ground up. And it's been inspiring for kind of the, the little dogs trying to be the big dogs, you know what I mean? Coming up the ladder. And it's been, um, it's been awesome. I just like the way that you flow. Um, I really appreciate kind of your, your no bullshit approach, you know, your big facts only and all these kind of things like that's real shit. And you, yeah. know, you know, as well as I do, um, you guys have a lot of taglines, which I, I love, but they're, they're all for real. And, you know, fade the public and all these other things. Those are a big deal when you're talking fantasy football and you're trying to get actual information out to people to help them try to win leagues and give them real information when a mm -hmm. lot of like the ESPN shit and, you know, not hating on anybody by any means, but like a lot of the bigger things have so many things going on. They can't really break it down as hefty as maybe we do. And yep. uh, it, it doesn't necessarily come off um, as genuine uh, as I think that we put the time in sometimes. So I've learned a lot from you over the years. I appreciate it. With the 100th episode, I want to do something special. So I appreciate your time. Again, let's get right into it, man. Um, I just want to do kind of some quick uh, basic background on you and your team, how things got started and things, and then we'll get into some fantasy football later on. Um, where did uh, Big Dogs start? Um, how did it kind of come up a few years ago? And then how did you put your team together? So in terms of like the brand itself, um, it's actually kind of a, a funny story, the actual name Big Dog's Gotta Eat, because when you hear it, you're like, that sounds like ridiculous. But uh, it's actually the welcome email in my newsletter. So if you sign up on the site, like you'll get this whole story about where the brand came from, more specifically the name. 
and it actually dates back to my my college days. I'm 26 years old right now, so that was maybe uh, five years ago or so. And most, uh, I, I'm assuming most like undergrads, uh, when they hit that senior year, they, we have we had what they called senior week, right? It's like the week leading up to graduation, and you kind of just like party your face off. And each day is it's organized by like the people in that senior class. Each day you do, um, you know, like a house crawl and then a bar crawl and then a beer Olympics or whatever. So it's beer Olympics day. And me and my roommate is not here right now, but we were on a team along with like four or five other people. And it was 84 teams in this beer Olympics. Right. And we're like mowing, mowing through the competition. Right. It's a great day. And we get down to the semifinals. There's four teams left. And like at this point we had to, it was so long, right. Cause there were so many teams at this point, we shifted the party from like one house to another house. There's four teams left. and each round, like you ended the round with uh, just like a chug off. So you'd get the five players on each team, fill up their solo cup up with beer and you chug off like down the line. And uh, I'm really good at shit that like doesn't matter. For some reason in college, I was really good at chugging beer. Right. So I was like the anchor on the team. And as we've been going down the teams, like, you know, mowing people out, sweet 16, whatever. At the end, you know, we're in the semifinals and I, I like, I, I finished my beer. I cracked my beer down and I don't know where it came from, but I yelled out, big dogs got to eat. And I was like, woo, 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 big dogs got to eat. And then like everyone on my team, like started yelling it out for, you know, the, the entirety of the rest of the, uh, the, the beer Olympics. And we ended up winning the entire tournament at 84 teams. And like, that was, I, I don't know why that stuck with me, but I was always like, yo, that was such a fun moment. And I love like what that stood for. So when I think of the name, big dogs got to eat, it's, it's, uh, big dogs in a sense of uh, people who want more out of life and are willing to like put the work in for these kind of things and are passionate, right? And are not afraid to go after those things and to chase them. And uh, as cliche it is, it's like, it's like work hard, play hard, but that's really where the name is from. And that's really like the style of my brand when I look at it. And uh, when I say got to eat, like big dogs are the people that chase the things that they're passionate about. And, you know, the people that are not afraid to do that are the ones that are, in a sense, going to eat, you know, like if you have the courage to go after things, I think you will, um, it, it will pay off with a lot of hard work and a lot of consistency. And, and at the end of the day, that's really what my brand kind of boils down to. Excellent. And so how did that turn into fantasy football? Uh, yes. I mean, fantasy football was always like a passion of mine. Like me and my friends played when we were, you know, 12, 13 or whatever, just mock drafting like 100 teams like every, every day during the summer. And uh, as I got older, I thought I was like good at fantasy football. It turns out when like at the time when I started, I was fucking horrible at it, actually. But I thought I could help other people. So it really came from a genuine place of like, I just want to give value. And I feel like I, I can help people be better at fantasy football. So I started a blog and I don't even remember the name of like the website at first. I don't even think it was Big Dogs Got to Eat or BDG or anything. And uh, this was when I was maybe 20 or 21 or something. And I noticed like I hadn't shared it with anyone because at this time I was like really nervous to do it and I didn't want to put myself out there. So I, I put the blog out. I didn't like tell any of my friends or my family or anything. And I remember like going through one of the summers and I looked at like the Google analytics one day and I saw that the site had like 2000, it was getting like 2000 views a day. And I was like, what, like, what is happening here? Right? Like I didn't do SEO. I didn't do anything marketing wise, but I saw it getting traction. I'm like, yo, there's like really something here. But at the same time, I was like, I'm a fucking terrible writer, right? Like, I'm really bad at writing. But when I turn the camera on, I feel super comfortable. And I was always like, I would rather just record it so I didn't have to type and be like every other person out there that's already blogging, right? Because it's so saturated and it's really hard to break through 
um, in an industry like this where blogging is like the main avenue to get to where you want to go, or at least it was for a long time. And uh, I, I was fortunate that just video was like my preference and how to, uh, and how to give value. So started the YouTube channel probably a year after that. Didn't take it seriously for like the first three years. But as soon as we got a little bit of traction and I was like, yo, there's really an opportunity here. As soon as I got serious about it, um, that's when things really started changing. And, you know, we grew like 5X the first summer, 5X the next summer, 3X. And, you know, summer after summer after summer, you grow. And uh, I know like someone, you know, a, a smaller creator might look at my channel and be like, wow, you know, like, he's got like a nice size audience. I still feel like I'm, I've gotten fucking nowhere if I'm being completely honest with you. I feel like there's so much more to go. Um, but just, you know, uh, putting in the work year after year after year and seeing it like incrementally grow is, um, is really how we got here, to be honest with you. And I know like once you get to this point, like to where I'm at, the growth is almost exponential at a point because YouTube really favors the creators who have a larger audience already. And, you know, if I put out a video, it's going to get a lot of views just because I have a solid audience already. Um, but at the end of the day, like I was in like the trenches for like three years before any of that stuff really happened. You know what I mean? So um, that's, you know, that's really the, the background of the story. And in terms of like the team behind me, building out the team has been, has been kind of funny because right now I, I pay one person on my team. It's my editor, Scott, and he's fucking awesome. And I don't pay him anywhere near as much money as I should be. But he was someone that reached out to me about a year ago, maybe eight months ago or whatever. Um, and he was like, yeah, I see like the vision and I see the brand and where it's going. I would love to help you out. And he was someone that he is a, a video editor by profession and he does his job really well. And I was like, I told him up front, I was like, listen, man, I don't, um, I can't pay you financially anywhere near like what you're making now. He's like, don't worry about it. He's like, this is a long-term thing for me. And I really fucking appreciated that as someone who looks at uh, opportunities from a long-term scope. So he came on the team and he, he basically takes off one video a week off my plate because video editing is like the one thing that I dislike. Right. And I try to outsource that as much as I can. Um, and since then, it's just like, I, I've never really gone out of my way to look for people I want to add onto my team. It's, it's kind of been a natural progression. And at this point, I think we have maybe like eight or 10 people on the team. Um, but again, like I'm not paying them. So it's not like they're my employees or anything. They're just people that believe in the brand or like they're my friends that help out when I need like an odd job done. Um, but like the team is so good because I really try to make sure that anyone I bring on, like first and foremost, like you have to be a fit for the brand. Like people always tell me like, oh, you should get like a virtual assistant or something. I'm like, nah, like if you haven't been rocking with me for like a couple of years and don't understand like the personality or what the brand is, no offense, like you might be great at your job, but I don't want you on, you're not the right fit for my team because that stuff like chemistry and, and the whole branding side of it is way more important um, th than that other stuff. So that's, you know, that's, that's the story of the brand really and, and what we're doing with the team in the back end. That's awesome. And, and I a hundred percent agree with you on, on the, chemistry and the camaraderie of your team because you're mm -hmm. right you can't have a lot of people but you know there is a uh, there's an issue with too many cooks in the kitchen sometimes yeah um, and you want to have like your vision um so you have a lot of teammates which is excellent we're trying to build with uh the candlestick kids fantasy podcast and you know so honestly um you know not to not to pick off your crew or anything but i've heard you mention multiple times that you get hit up all the time for fantasy leagues and which is kind of a good problem to have but frankly like you, you only have so much time in your day and your life to do things yeah if you have reaching out to you that maybe you don't have a place for um you know we'd love some extra help on our side as well so uh just an extra avenue so you're not necessarily dodging people you know but maybe if you want to send someone else who wants to get involved with uh this on the grassroots man i'd love some some help as well because right now i'm kind of 
where you were a few years ago too, just kind of doing all of it. And it's a blast. Yeah. And I love doing this. Um, but you're right. It is, it is a lot going on. It's a, burn, um, it's a burnout sometimes. It is a burnout. And a few of the, the faces and voices that we know as, as your, your followers and listeners, uh, Snacks Animal and Noah specifically, how are those three um, on the team, I guess, for, for those uh, maybe unfamiliar with you on, on your side? Yeah. So Noah, um, really, I, when I first wanted to start expanding or at least add more content creators to the team, um, I, I was looking for bloggers. I was like, oh, does anyone want to blog for my website? I don't even really know why, to be honest with you. Like, I don't care about like my blog whatsoever. But at the time I did, I thought I should. And uh, I, I had people basically submit not a resume, but like a sample piece. And like we emailed back and forth and there was probably like 90 to hundred people that submitted things. And out of that group, Noah was the only person that I was like, yo, I see a lot of potential in him. I see a lot of potential in how he wrote and like how it fit with the way I see things. Um, if that makes sense. But Noah came on the team was blogging and Noah, I want to say for like two years now, he was blogging and putting out like three and he's in, you know, when I do my fantasy videos, I go very in depth, right. To the point where like a lot of my comments will be like, dude, shorten up your videos. They're too long. And I'm always like, fuck you. Like, don't watch my videos. I don't care. <laughs> and Noah has the same like style from me. And I'm not sure if that was always inherently what he would do without me, or if that was like something he caught on for me. But when I saw him, write, It reminded me a lot of myself when I was younger. So uh, Noah worked really fucking hard for like two years, right? Um, writing like three blog posts a week, which I know is a lot of commitment because of the amount of time and work that he put into those because they're very long. Um, so then last year, I was like, yo, um, blogging is not like, blog you might enjoy blogging, but I want to help you build a personal brand for yourself because you're putting in so much work. And I already had the audience on YouTube. So whoever I stuck on YouTube was going to naturally build their own personal brand, right? As long as they were good, as long as they could handle that a little bit. So I was like, um, I, I just, I, at the end of the day, I just appreciated the amount of hard work and commitment that he put in because I think when you're building a team, like you'll be able to find people that have skills, right? Um, no matter what the role is. But like I, at this point, after going through a lot of people that have faded in and out, I appreciate hard work and commitment. Um, like, exponentially more than a lot of uh, a lot of shit that people might assume you should put above the other one you know um and that was just something I saw from him and uh he was always just like a, a good person like good to work with and now our chemistry has just gotten so much better so I've been bringing him onto the channel um to to one of my videos you know weekly and you know hopefully he's trying to get him to a thousand twitter followers by I think it was like next Tuesday or something he's creeping up there so we're we're trying to get you know I'm, I'm just trying to build his personal brand because I really appreciate the amount of work that he's put in for um, for my stuff, you know, um, and then snacks and animal, we go way back. We are from the same town and, uh, me and snacks, we all went to the same high school Animal is two years older than me. He actually graduated with my sister in high school, but I wasn't close to him until he joined my, uh, our high stakes league back home, like four or five years ago. Snacks I've, I've known since we were in like first grade or whatever. And we have been in the same league, the E-Town get down. This is going to be our 11th year. So we've been rocking for a while and we, this this offseason like I you know I, I'll bring this up so many times I'm like so much more into the branding than the sales part of things and I knew that like this league that we had the high stakes league was just a lot of fun and I was like I want to share this and this is why I put out the uh, the yearly vlogs right the e-town get down draft day vlogs and like people 
Um, those are always like one of my more popular videos. I'm like, I wish we had more like behind the scenes things, but it's really hard as a creator. Like when you're younger, you don't have an audience. Cause like you still feel kind of fucking weird, like bringing the camera around 10 people that are like, you know, I don't really want to be on camera. Um, so it was like kind of like a fine line between me knowing this was so good. Like people would love to see this, but also like people that didn't really want to be on camera and shit. So this year I was just like, nah, we, we like have to do this. Like, I feel like the fade the public thing. It's funny because it's in the off season and we just talk about fantasy football, but realistically the entire show was supposed to only be centered around that league. Um, but we obviously need to wait for more content when the season starts to really talk about it. But, uh, you know, I told them, I was like, listen, I got an audience and I'm literally, I'm literally giving it to you. So like make the most of this opportunity if you want to do it. And they were both like very down. And, uh, you know, we've done it every week since the first week we've started, which is, you know, great. It's more, it's just commitment from their side, you know, and that's such a brand play um, because it, it, it shows off our personality way more than I could do in like an individual video because, um, you know, you giving out value is like the number one thing you got to do when you're creating content. And my individual videos are informational value, right? You listen to my individual videos because like you've learned stats that you might not know elsewhere, but like fade the public. I really wanted to make that like a personality based thing and uh, just like let the audience get to know us a little bit better. And I, I think like the upside of what we're doing, if we can, you know, capture the league as well as I think we can get almost like take on its own reality show in a sense. So um, I've known them for a while and, um, and you know, we're not anywhere near where we want to be at this point. But we've gotten so much better since like the first episode and uh, we'll keep grinding away. And I think we'll be doing it every, every week for fucking until one of us passes away, which honestly might not be that fucking far away. <laughs> Fair enough, man. And I, I really like that, uh, that approach too of having, um, you know, you do, you do such a great job, uh, in my opinion of the solo podcast, which I, I do primarily on our side too, you know, and those are hard, man. That's, that's you doing hundred percent of what's going on a lot of time and just basically talking to yourself until it's recorded and other people can hear it. Um, yep. Then you, you know, as well for like the duo vibe, but then snacks and animal coming in with the video and kind of the conference style uh, vibe, which is great. Cause you're really bringing uh, all dynamics of, of what it could take to be, be a team, be an individual, have a partner, all these different things. So again, um, I've learned a lot of kind of like the, the different group dynamics of, of what you all bring on. And, and so you speak about the brand a lot. What are some immediate goals and objectives for yourself individually or, you know, big dogs as, as a group and, and everybody there, um, you know, how often do you talk about, you know, big picture versus the next episode? Do you run out your calendar, you know, six months in advance? I mean, uh, what, what goes behind it? And I, I ask because I do a lot of that stuff on my end, but I'm really trying to kind of venture out to a, kind of the, the up and coming podcasters and guys on my level, you know, yeah. um, who are kind of up and coming on the Instagram or the Twitters and all that stuff. And, for us, it's like, we see you all doing it and we're willing to, and we're able to do it, but how do you really match it out when you start growing at that uh, exponential level? Yeah. You know what? Like in terms of goals, I have goals that I try to set out in the beginning of the year, but it's like each summer grows exponentially. So it's so hard to plan for that because things t you never know, like next Monday's video could go over for, a uh, hundred thousand views or whatever. Right. And that could blow up the channel a little bit. So um, from there, you know, you kind of have to pivot, but overall, man, it's, it's been a consistent buildup of trying to uh, you know, like we've been putting out five videos a week for um, since June 1st, but before then almost all off season, I was putting out 
you know, four or five videos a week that weren't all fantasy football related, but trying to put out as much content as I can. So we're always trying to hit that quantity number because at this point, there's going to be someone else that's doing it as much as you are, if not more, you know? So it's like, I'm like, I've worked too fucking hard to get to where I am to just fall behind because I don't want to work harder. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to let that be the reason that I don't continue to grow. Um, that being said, though, like, I never want to have the quantity of videos that I put out, like diminish the quality. So it's kind of like a fine line of continuing to, you know, put out as much content as we do, but like staying true to who we are, like being authentic and being very brand oriented. And, uh, you know, just, just understanding that, like, you know, at the end of the day, big dogs got to eat like the name that, that that's there. It's like, that's endeared in the brand. And I don't want to just start putting out shitty content because, oh, I see them putting out six videos a week, eight videos a week, 10 videos a week. Let me um, stop what I'm doing that got me here, right? That I feel like is building a very strong, loyal foundation and, and pivot. So in terms of like goals, it's really as you grow, trying to stay where you were that like got you there in a sense, you know? So it's hard for me to put like a numbers goal on anything. Um, but I, I feel like the team is in a very good flow right now. So it's just continuing what we're doing and always trying to improve the quality without, um, without hampering any of the things that got us here, really. What are some things that you are planning to do or wanting to do uh, in, in the near future that are just, you know, pie in the sky? Uh, you know, you talk about well, – I'll get into the fantasy football issue here in a second. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, you, you kind of mentioned, like, you know, they're, they're doing, like, the tour vibe. And, yeah. uh, you know, I was a touring musician for a long time and playing for big crowds and shit. Like, they're kind of like the rock stars of fantasy football. Um, like, big – like, um, popularity-wise, but also just personality-wise. Uh, so, you know, shit like that or just immediately, what are some things that you're planning to do or wanting to do that you're not yet doing uh, that you need to build to that you think would take you to the next level? Yeah, I love the idea of live events. I really fucking do. Um, guys would be great at it dude like the, the again it's the the triple or even quadruple dynamic of what you guys have going on man it's fun to watch and that would be a great time yeah I, it, it's like i you know i saw them and i think it was on the show sheet we're, we're gonna get into in a little bit but like when i saw the footballers in in new york a week or two ago they are so composed when they're live and i was like i and then you know when i talked to them after they were like we weren't good like that like the first few times it, it takes a while to get used to it um, and I feel like I would probably be the same way, but I eventually definitely want to do some kind of tour. I, I would imagine that like, I would do a much more like bootleg version of a tour. It would almost be like, yo, I'm going to be at like the Starbucks in, in the center of your city, come hit me up. And I'd be crashing at like a subscriber's house. Like I would crash on their couch. I'm fine with that. You know what I mean? It's still cool to be like, yeah, you know, I kind of like toured the country with my friends or something like that. They have a whole like production team, you know, uh, a guy who, does everything for them behind the scenes for the tour. So they did a great job of outsourcing that. I love the idea of live events though. When I first started off um, for like the people new in the audience, like my background is as a marketer. I was in the marketing field for like three or four years and I was doing, you know, the, the fantasy football thing, like side hustle for the majority of that time. Um, and then I got to a point where I was making a little bit of money from fantasy, but not like anywhere near enough to support myself. But I was like, fuck it, I'm leaving my corporate job in the marketing world because I, want, I can do this on my own for businesses out there, right? I don't need like the Fortune 500 name above me to do the skills that I already know how to do for companies, right? 
and I left and I was doing a, a mixture of both. And at the time I was in a little bit above my head because, you know, when you are employed like by yourself, I was definitely a freelancer, not like a business owner at the time, but you have no one to like look up to in terms of like, if you fuck up, right. Or, or for direction, if you're lost a little bit, you know, you don't have the boss, you don't have someone to go to. Um, and there was this dude I followed on Instagram that was like a successful business guy. He was young though. He's only like 30. I think he was like 29 when I first linked up with him and uh, he sold multiple businesses and he, he's like, he was like a mentor now. He's kind of like a business coach and he was super relatable to me in the sense that like he was successful, but also had a very like millennial vibe about him. And I felt like I could like hang out with him. And uh, he literally put up an Instagram story one day. It was like, yeah, I'm going to be mentoring like two or three young uh, business like startups, you know? Um, so I messaged him. We eventually linked up and he became like a business coach for me for almost a year last year. And he flew me out to LA and he did this weekend. It was like a retreat. He brought like uh, a bunch of his friends or like entrepreneurial people into a house, like into an Airbnb, a big ass Airbnb. We were stuck there for like 72 hours and not stuck there. It was like a, a fucking amazing weekend. Like nothing I've ever experienced before the amount of production and creativity that went on in that house. And uh, during that, he had uh, a few live speakers that he was like really good friends with. And I'm not sure if you've ever heard of the company Boss Babe. They're obviously a very female oriented uh, audience, but they're big. They have, I don't know, like 750,000 followers on Instagram. They're a big business. And he's very good friends with the CEO of the business. It's a girl named Natalie. And she talked to us and it was a very like close knit thing. It was only like maybe 12 of us in the house. And she talked to us and she was like, one of the main um, purposes that you should be building your online audience for is to bring them offline, right? For a lot of reasons. I think there's really good connections, obviously, within the, um, within the offline, uh, you know, like just meeting and being face to face with them. And also, when you're in an industry like this, like fantasy football, you can't price a product any higher than like 30 or $50, right? Maybe you can get away with charging something that's like $100, if it spans the entire year or something like that. But realistically, you need like a high ticket price product, right? So when I was there at this retreat, um, I was like, damn, like how can I figure out a way to twist this into some kind of live event? Like how can I do this, but for fantasy football? And fortunately, like I've been building my brand as like a lifestyle brand with the vlogs and stuff. So people have kind of, you know, gotten to know me. And I guess they were like, yeah, we'd like, like to hang out with this guy for, for a weekend, which is, you know, it's like humbling that people would want to come to shit like that. And, uh, and what I did was like, yo, let me like combine two of my favorite things in the world, like fantasy football drafts and kind of raging in New York city for like a full weekend. You know, it, it's nothing that I wouldn't do with my normal friends on a normal weekend. But since, um, you know, I had to look at it from like a business orientation, I was like, how am I going to get paid for this? So I literally pitched it on my YouTube channel where I was going to rent out an Airbnb in New York. And, uh, we filled the league with, it was like eight subscribers myself and snacks was the ninth guy. And, um, and that was like my high ticket product. And each person that came to the Airbnb, we basically, we had it from Friday to Sunday and we literally just hung out and kicked it. And like all the guys were cool as shit. Um, nightmare organizing logistics is something I will absolutely learn from just going like emails back and forth with 80,000 people. But the weekend was, was so good. And, um, and I was able to charge them like over four figures for them to participate in the weekend. And that included, you know, it wasn't all obviously like profit, but that included uh, whatever, eating, going out to the bars, drinking, the Airbnb itself. That didn't include the flights. So there was people, there was three people from California that came. There was uh, Detroit, Texas, Virginia, like Raleigh, like all from all over the country, which is fucking wild. 
And uh, it, I, it, for me, at the time, I didn't have that big of an audience. I really only had maybe like 3,000 or 4,000 subscribers. And to me, it just spoke to like how fucking important it is to build that foundation. Like you might not be moving that quickly in terms of numbers, but at the end of the day, like that doesn't matter. Like you would rather have a 10th of the subscribers, but 10 times the loyalty from each of those than the people that are just putting shitty ass content out now. And you know, whether it's gaming the algorithm or doing this X, Y, Z, but that's the kind of stuff that translate. It's like, it's hard to see in the short term. And I think that's going to be the downfall of a lot of, it's just the downfall of a lot of people in business and in general, you know what I mean? Um, so I, I like forget what the, the honest, honestly, the question is, but going back to, I think you said like plans in the near future, uh, continue doing what we're doing, obviously, but I would love to expand into like the live event space. I think I'm very underprepared at the moment to do it at scale, like anything close to what they do. Um, but that would definitely be something um, on my radar. Well, just as an outsider who's been following your content for a couple of years, I personally think that you're personally, you're totally ready to do what they do from what you already do. I think what you don't necessarily want to be in charge of, or maybe aren't the best at is a logistical nightmare, which I totally agree. I've been a, you know, tour manager for a decade and it's a shit show no matter what, even if everything goes well, it's a mess. Um, and I can, I can certainly relate there, but just as a host, the way that you conduct yourself, all the, again, the teamwork and everything else, your charisma and all that stuff. I think you'd be great at what they do and what you could do yourself, you know? And I, I had a note, um, you know, further on down the sheet, but while we're there already, you know, you're talking about, you know, it's important to have kind of your baseline supporters more so than just a million people and yeah. 500 give a shit about you. Yeah. You'd rather have 500 and 490 of them give a shit about you. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, and I think a big part of what you're also kind of mentioning that I'm hearing is the practice of patience, which is, you know, really just a mantra of our man, Gary V. And Let's I want to, yeah. which, you know, for, for people who are listening and don't know who Gary V is, Gary Vaynerchuk, uh, <laughs> make sure you check him out. Of course, he's just, he's the fucking Don. But um, I hear you mention him on your podcast all the time. And the first couple of times I heard it, bro, I was just like, yo, I'm a fan of you <laughs> because you're a fan of him pretty much, you know? Yeah. Uh, and so it's totally on not football fantasy football related per se but the mentality of running a business the mentality of uh, managing a team the way that you do uh going from the grassroots and just getting you know kicked in the face all the way up but continuing to do it and, and persevere really quickly um how how has gary specifically um again gary vanderchuk gary v you can find him everywhere on social media but uh, how has he influenced you uh personally and, you know, um, just how did you get in touch with him originally? Yeah, Gary, Gary's word is the Bible, my man. Like Gary, uh, fuck, he has molded my mind like nobody I, I've ever come across before. Um, if you're listening to this, man, and you need, I don't know, life direction, just like any sort of fucking help. This guy is so unbelievable to like a point that I can't really put into words, but he has just confirmed a lot of the thoughts that I've had um, along the way in terms of what I thought was right and what I thought was wrong. And I've always had, like, I've always trusted my gut and my instinct, but when you're starting something off, it's, it's hard to know that that's right. Right. And Gary is so fucking raw. Even if you don't agree with all, all of his opinions and stuff, the way he comes off is ridiculously authentic. Right. And he's someone that's gained so much fucking success so that you look at him and you're like, yeah, if he does it this way, um, like as authentic as he does it, and he's that successful, 
Like, why can't you do the same thing? Right. And Gary is like, I mean, one of, one of the, the key, key things he's taught me is just how fucked up like regret is right. Living with regret. And I really like in the bottom of my heart, I, everything I do, maybe not every like short-term decision, but everything serious in my life, everything long-term uh, I do with the thought, like my first thought is always, you know, when I'm older, when I'm 35, when I'm 40, am I going to be pissed at myself for not doing it right now? And if the answer is yes to that, like I'll regret not doing it, I do it. Even if that means, you know, taking a short-term loss right now, even if that means losing money now, if that means like being embarrassed now, if that means like having to put yourself out there, because you know, like deep down when you're doing shit like this, you have that inherent feeling that you, you know, you're going to get there, but it's just going to take a long time to get there. And I always had that belief in myself. But when you hear someone like Gary, like say, it's like, yes, like that's the right path. Like that's exactly what you're supposed to be doing. It, it, it lets, it lets you do that. You know, like you're waiting for permission for something that you already feel is right. So when you see someone at that level of success, tell you that that's the right path, it lets you do that. Um, so I try to live without regret, no matter what really the cost is of uh, short term. And the other thing I think is like, he had a fucking amazing skit at one time. He was like on a live stream and I wish I had like recorded it and got a snippet of the audio but he talked about being put into a box. Um, and I think everyone loves using like labels or everyone like sees people that are successful, right? And you feel like they have to go this way or they have to go that way. And it's like, oh, he can't be doing that if he's gonna wanna do that. And my mantra at the end of the day is like, fuck that, like be exactly who you are and that's gonna be your path there. Like, don't try to be him, don't try to be her. Um, if I want to go out and, and drink and, you know, not saying I do drugs, but if I wanted to and put it on my channel and still be successful in that, like, I don't give a fuck about people judging me in that way, you know, cause that's the way I want to live my life. Um, I don't think anyone should tell you otherwise. I don't think anyone should look at me and be like, you're a fantasy football analyst, like stick to your lane. Don't talk about politics. I'm like, I'm not like, I'm my own fucking person. You know what I mean? Like at the end of the day, I actually don't care about being a fantasy football analyst. I care so much more about um, my community than the fantasy football community. Like, I'm, to be honest with you, I like most of the dudes in there. They're nice dudes. They're cool dudes. I don't relate to 95% of them. And frankly, I, I could give a shit less if they know who I am or ever know who I am because I'm way more, um, I, I care way more about building my own, my own community, you know, with people that are like-minded to me and, and want to grow as a person. Um, so Gary is, you know, I literally, I, I could talk about this fucking all podcast, but I know me too, bro. I just, that's why I wanted to bring it up with you. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you did, man. Cause he gets me so fucking fired up. So if anyone, you know, um, if anyone out there is not listening to Gary, yo, the, I will, I have one episode, one podcast episode saved on my phone. I'm about to bring it up right now. Let me find it. Uh, it's a podcast from December 11th, 2016. It's titled Inside My Heart, Brain, and Soul in 13 Minutes, Daily V 101. So it's got, it's their YouTube version as well as a podcast. It's like 13 minutes long. Go listen to that shit. If that doesn't fire you up, like if that doesn't get you going, I don't know. You're not human. It's, it's really like, I, I listen to that maybe like once a month or even once a week if I need to, to like reset the way I'm thinking. So he's changed my mindset in a way that I can never fucking repay. And, and really the way I look at it is, is I want to be able to um, inspire people the way that he does. So I always try to um, give off the things that I learned to people who might have been in the situation um, where I was prior to even knowing about Gary, right? Because if, if I, you know, the one day that I stumbled upon him in, in that first day, had I just not, you know, like my life would be way fucking different. You know what I mean? So like, I want people to make sure that you go check him out. You know, maybe you won't like him, but I think a lot of people will, and it will change the way you think about things. I totally 100% agree with everything you've said. And, you know, honestly, 
Nick, when I first stumbled across your, I think it was actually, I listened to your podcast uh, for the most because I just, I fucking run emails for music and do my shit all day. So mm-hmm. your podcast is great because it's, you know, the audio version of YouTube and I can knock it out while I'm working and stuff. So I listen to podcasts primarily, but I think I actually found you a few years ago via YouTube um, and just your, your authentic approach. And you're kind of like, look, this is who I am. This is what I do. If you dig it, let's rock. If you don't, later. And I really appreciate that. And Gary is, that's what he does. And yeah. actually I dug that about you before I realized that you were kind of a Gary, <laughs> Gary fan. And I heard it later on in the podcast. I'm like, Oh shit, it just makes sense. And that's yeah. kind of how I run my life too. My lady ran into him in a Nashville, Tennessee, a few years ago. Um, she was at a business conference down there and he was the keynote speaker and I'd never heard of him before. And mid mid speech, she, she texts me and she's like, yo, you look this fucking guy up right now. Go listen to his shit. Watch his shit. He's he's the East Coast version of you. <laughs> like, go listen to this dude. I'm like, all right. I listened to about five episodes. Not my vibe. I was super turned off. I was like, bro. He's oh, yeah. Crazy. You were one of those guys. He talks about that a lot. He's like, oh. check this out. Check this out. I was one of those guys, which I think is so dope because I was just like, man, he's arrogant as fuck. He's this and this. He's blah, blah, blah. And I was like, all right. She's like, keep going. Keep going. So I listened. Man, like, no shit. Probably six, ten episodes in. I kept going, you know. Um, I was like, all right, so like, okay, that makes sense. Or, yeah, I thought about that already. Or, oh, damn, that's the right way to do shit or whatever. And man, I had that switch one day, bro. And then it was like, literally, all I listened to was Gary Vee for like, uh, for like I'm, a I'm year. And he's just been, I'm not a religious guy, but if I had like a messiah or something, it's fucking Gary Vee. Fucking facts, bro. I would go into war for that dude. Not even a fucking question. He tweeted out, he was like, yo, we're going to war with this country because they fuck with my oh, business. Yeah. I'm like, yo, I'm there, man. Yeah, dude. Uh, awesome. It's, yeah, his keynotes are fucking fire. When he stands up on stage, man, and he rants for an hour and a half straight, like, it, it's, it, it, you're in awe after listening. You're like, yo, how do you just do that off the dome? Like, not a fucking second of practice and just giving straight fucking value of just unbelievable information. So, yeah, man, I've, I can't say enough about him. Well, it's always just mad real too. I mean, you can tell, you can tell when people are like, you know, motivational speakers, which I don't even think he considers himself a motivational speaker. He just kind of so authentic. I think that, I think that's where motivation comes from nowadays. Like I, I, people who like label themselves motivational speaker speakers are fucking weird because like, yeah, people, I don't get motivated by people being like loud or obnoxious or like yelling at me. I get motivated by seeing someone talk about something and then, you know, Real life, yeah, exactly, man. Like that's that's what fucking motivates me. So he's just so authentic that it all comes through as motivation. But he would never like label himself as a motivational speaker, you know? Absolutely. And and really quick to, to segue off of Gary V. I mean, I'm sure he'll pick up this this fucking this episode and run with it. So Gary, you know, respect, buddy. Uh, <laughs> but uh, really quick to to wrap it back into fantasy football. Um, he's a diehard Jets fan, right? And I know uh, you're in Brooklyn. Yep, I'm in BK. Okay. So he, he is a live or die. I don't know if I've ever heard or seen a fan of the Jets. And he talks about how, how they've ripped his heart out most of his life. And he it's sticks like, with them. And he, it's like fucking snacks with the Giants, man. They're the same fucking oh, person. Man. Dude, it's, it's pretty amazing. So anyway, I just, I think, it, I think it's cool. And uh, hey, you know, one day when, when uh, we're up at the top, dude. Um, bring him on the uh, the business of fantasy football. Have him rant about the Jets for about forty five minutes, and then just have him talk about things. But uh, let's segue into that, man. You you talked about you know bringing people on, and and uh, you mentioned earlier, you know, not worried about being embarrassed and 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 worried about what people think about you, and um, you know, just having a you know just self uh, confidence, but respect in, in in your ability to do what you do, which isn't 
it's confidence. It's not cockiness. I think that's a very uh, fine line there. But, um, you know, I want to dive into the business of fantasy football, which is a series that you did um, and maybe you're continuing to do. I'm not really sure at this point, but uh, I hope that you do because, holy shit, I've, I've gained a lot of information uh, from you and your team. But when you bring those guys on and ladies, uh, you learn a lot from somebody else. And that really kind of inspired me for our 100th episode. That's a big reason why I wanted to bring you on specifically to do this um, and not try to like copy you per se, but just like I was inspired by that to look at somebody kind of above where I'm at, where I aspire to be and I look up to and then get your kind of, you know, um, idea on the things that I'm trying to do and, and watch you do and follow in your footsteps, but also kind of your like vocal and just like, hey, you know, here's what I'm doing. This is why we do it, yada, yada. And, um, you know, you had the fantasy footballers, which we'll get into in a little bit. Matt Harmon, James Coe, I mean, a lot of uh, a lot of kind of the big wigs in uh, in the fantasy football industry. One of them in particular was uh, Matt Harmon, which I know was a really um, heavy episode with his his backstory and just everything he does. But mm. most people that don't know his backstory know him for reception perception, which is uh, has become a huge thing in fantasy football, obviously. And I was just curious if a you had just quick off the dome. I don't want any spoiler alerts, of course. So you know, don't say anything you don't want to. If you have any of those things coming up, and if not, really quick without kind of picking favorites, because I don't, you know, I don't want to put you in that place or anything like that. But just some of the conversations over that series that you gain maybe the most knowledge of, or maybe just some points uh, from particular individuals. You can name names or not; it's okay. But uh, just in general, like, what did you gain from that overall when you were interviewing people above you in in an industry in which you're you're growing as well? Yeah, that's. Those are probably my favorite pieces of content to put out. Um, it's, I mean, it's, it's this conversation basically, but I'm on, you know, your side and uh, those are so informational, man. And you know what it is too? It's because, especially when I was starting out, when I first kind of left my job and was doing my own thing, it was so hard to find people that were in the same mindset as me. Right. And I, I it was hard to sort like, I love my best friends, but they don't, do the same shit I do. Right. That's fine. Like everyone's different. And I'm, that's not, you know, that's not a flaw or anything. Um, but it's hard to surround yourself with people that think the way that you do or want to work towards the same kind of goals that you're working towards. And, um, and this was like a way for me to connect with those people. And this was also a way, like, I remember when I first, first knew I had like a, an entrepreneurial itch. And I actually fucking hate that word nowadays, to be honest, because it's, <laughs> it's so like funny and played out. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't bring it up when we were talking about Gary. Uh, cause I didn't, you know, I didn't want you to start yelling at me, but I get it. I'm with you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I just don't like what, I don't know what it stands for nowadays. But, um, when I first like had a passion for, I guess being creative maybe is, is the right way to say it. Uh, I literally like went on the podcast app and, and typed in the word like entrepreneur, but this is when I was still at like a full-time job, not even in the marketing field yet. And I would listen to these podcasts, man. And I was blown away by some of the stuff that they would talk about and like how passionate they were about the things that I, I would want to be passionate about in the future. And I had no fucking direction at this time. I was doing nothing fancy football wise, but I knew I wanted to do my own thing at the time. And, uh, and like, it goes back to like almost not having heard Gary for the first time. Like had I not heard those podcasts, it, it might not have sparked something in me. I might be working at a fucking nine to five job that I don't enjoy right now. I don't really know that. But the reason I put that content out, the business of fantasy football stuff is to hopefully, you know, get that spark for someone in the audience that might not even know they wanted to be some kind of creator or entrepreneur or whatever. And they see that and they're like, shit, this is pretty cool. And those groups of guests that I've had on are from such different backgrounds, right? They're so varied. 
Um, and that's what I wanted to do is, is bring on like a whole different set of creators, whether it was the, the footballers who are building a brand or it's someone who worked at a big uh, company like the NFL Network or Yahoo or whatever and, and bring a girl on and page and um, just get so many different angles so that the people who might get the spark before they start telling themselves excuses can see that like, no, nah, like this person came from here. This person did it that way. They face this shit. Like everyone's going through their own stuff. But if you can find someone that um, goes through the same shit that you do, it makes you less likely to make excuses, right? Um, so at the end of the day, it was really paying homage to like some of the earlier things that I used to consume. And I wanted to give back as well as get the sides of these other people. To be honest, to be completely honest, uh, the only ones that I, I don't know how to put this. So the, re realistically, there's not a lot of brands within the fantasy football space, right? There's a lot of writers and analysts. And I was really fucking excited to talk to the fantasy footballers because they're doing what I'm doing basically at a much larger scale. So they're the only ones that could really, I think, give me insight on uh, the business stuff behind it. Because a lot of the guys I had on there were journalists, um, were just bloggers, were sports interview, you know, like on camera and stuff. Um, but I'm, I'm way more passionate about the actual building of the business and the branding than, the, than like the numbers and stats and the content, right? So those were probably my favorite interviews, but like all of the people that came on were so like vulnerable and so cool to open up about stuff, you know, just like the way like this conversation flows, man. I like, I love nothing more than having conversations like this. Um, so while I might not have gotten like a lot of business sense out of it, th there's a lot of like lifestyle and like motivation stuff that I get out of it. So it's hard to pinpoint like one or two of them, particularly, I would say, uh, Andy, my first one, Andy Holloway, the fantasy footballers, we are very, very, very similar, um, in our interests and passions. I, I think he sees a lot of himself in me and that's why he like, he stayed in touch with me after our interview. And, you know, like for me, obviously that's a great, like networking person to have in the industry. Um, but we'll talk like through Twitter DMS, not even about like fantasy football through other stuff. And like that, I probably won't find with many other people within the industry. Um, so he's been almost, uh, I guess, a mentor in a sense. All of the interviews were, were fantastic, man. They really were. That's awesome. And I agree with you as far as, uh, you know, I'm kind of on, I'm on your side as well. Again, you know, the big reason you're here is because I kind of, I kind of see myself as, as in your shoe, kind of the host and organizing things and kind of building the brand and stuff like that. With those episodes, I agree with you. I learned a lot more because it's in our seat. But like, you know, guys like James Coe or something or Matt Harmon who like created something that wasn't done yet or, uh, you know, Coe who was basically just writing for fucking ever until somebody would pay yeah. attention to him kind of a thing. I mean, you know, that's not really my vibe, but I still learned a lot of like perseverance and just, dude, if you believe in something and you're not hurting somebody or offending people, fucking get it. Bro, at the end of the day, like the key theme about all of those interviews were like, if you want something, like shut the fuck up and put the work in. That's really what it broke down to. Like everybody that is successful, like puts an insane amount of work to be there. Like they all come from different paths and have shit that are roadblocks, but like you're never going to get lucky and strike gold and then all of a sudden be fucking hired by the NFL network. You have to put in fucking years of work to get there, man. And that's like my whole brain is like, I want to document that to let you know how much fucking work you really got to put in to get there, man. Um, and I think, yeah, I mean, that, that's like a lot of the theme that was those interviews. And so kind of getting into something that, you know, we're talking about Matt Harmon and the reception perception. Um, first of all, congrats on the, you know, the big dogs draft guide. Uh, feel free to 
pitch the shit out of that right now to my listeners for sure. I'm sure your people already know what's up, but uh, feel free to knock it out for me um, and my listeners because uh, I would love for them to go support you. Um, but just quickly, curious if there's somebody, you know, or is there anything that maybe you have unique to your draft guide that you haven't seen um, in others or something that you think is a unique thing to your draft guide specifically. I mean, everybody's got rankings and, and sleepers and busts and shit like that. And like, that's awesome. It's good to get the opinions and the stats and breakdowns, but anything unique to yours specifically. And then uh, in general, just kind of like, what do you think is the quote unquote next big thing in fantasy football? Um, and I think we've may have touched on it already, but I'd like to get your opinion of what you think is like, what is going to be the next reception perception that kind of changes the game, uh, if you will. Yeah, so starting with the draft guide, um, you know, uh, everybody does their draft guide and everyone puts in the same shit. At the end of the day, we're all going to be wrong about a lot of shit. So like, why are you going to why are you going to buy his over mine or vice versa? So when I look at my draft guide, again, it all goes back to like, I want to make sure that it's like personalized to my brand. And legitimately, like when you're going through my draft guide, you're like, Oh, this is Nick writing this shit, you know, this is so everything in there is based around like my personality, right? And when you're reading it, you'll be like, oh, this literally sounds like Nick. And some of the shit I put in there is not even like fantasy football related. It's more like lifestyle because again, man, that's, you know, that's the brand I want to portray. So um, when you're in there, I'm also really, really into the idea of, of just like teaching you how to be a better fantasy football player. So yes, I have like the top sleepers and busts and must drafts and rankings and shit like that. But again, everybody has that. So I'm not going to sit here and tell you that mine are going to hit at a higher rate than the next guys. What I do is a lot of exclusive content. Um, like last year I, I did a, a big write up on just like the fantasy football industry in general and the numbers behind it, the money that it's bringing in the revenue, where I see it going in the future. And this year, actually it's a resource that I put in every year is uh, my top resources. Like, so the websites, the apps, the podcasts that I use to find all of my research, all my research, all my stats, all my numbers and the stuff that you get to, you know, uh, see me talk about in my videos and, you know, I list those out for you and I, I try to break down exactly like the things that I look for in each one of those resources. And at the end of the day, it's like the guide is more about teaching you to be a better fantasy football player than just telling you who to draft, who to stay away from. Because again, like mine's not any better than his and mine are going to hit at what a 55% 60 rate. Um, so like I try, like I do all those things because I know people like them, but I, I'm so much more into the idea of, uh, just making it super personalized. And like, if you like my brand, then you will like the draft guide because it's, um, you know, it's personalized to, to who we are over here, I guess you could say. Right. And, and do you think there's a next, you know, next big thing coming up? I mean, we talked about the live, you know, the live uh, dynamic of what the, you know, fantasy footballers yeah. do and things like that. You mentioned that you might want to get into that eventually. Um, is it a statistician thing or is it kind of that making it a, a personal vibe because I'm, I'm I'm with you man like eventually just you know as a performing musician for a decade that's where I shine too on stage in front of a crowd you know not to be like I'm flamboyantly arrogant or anything like that. it's just my it's just my vibe like once once there's somebody else in the room and I'm feeding off of their energy mine escalates to the room you know and so um is that something that that uh you think will be more popularized more or less with guys like you and me or just like in our local town, like you said, like, yo, I'm going to be at fucking the pub down the street from three to five every Saturday talking, talking, you know, tomorrow's games, come holler at me or whatever, um, grab a beer, whatever. 
uh, you know, you think it's going to be that kind of a vibe or a new, like, you know, stat thing that we start breaking down or elimination of a position, shit like that, you know? I mean, it's just- I think, uh, I think the whole branding thing is going to be like, that's going to start cutting out the people who are not doing that. Um, I think live events are going to be big, but most places can't pull that off. Um, a lot of the bigger brands, even if they tried to put together a live event, I bet wouldn't have a good audience because no one actually gives a shit about who they are. No offense to a lot of the people there, but they're just reading their work. If I read an article on a certain site, I probably wouldn't even remember who wrote it. I would remember the information in that article. So I think live events will, will slowly become like a big part of a lot of companies. Um, I guess what offerings, I guess, if you want to say, but that's very difficult to pull off. You know, like you have to put a lot of work to make that stuff successful. That's not just going to work because you built a Twitter following or something. So I, I see those being big, but fantasy is also in a very interesting space because it's massively popular at this point, but it's nowhere near like the tip of the iceberg. And we're seeing it kind of uh, it, or break off into like so many different avenues. And I just think that's like, it's funny because that's, that's just the way you're seeing almost everything uh, go nowadays, right? It's, it's, everything is more personalized. Everything is more unique to exactly how the individual or the consumer or the audience member wants to have it. And I think about, um, and I've talked about this example before, but like the fitness industry, right? When it first started back in like the 50s or 60s, when it really became like an industry, you know, there were like three forms of working out realistically, right? It was like weightlifting, it was like running, and then eventually like uh, yoga got introduced and then CrossFit and then like 17 types of yoga and hot yoga and this and all that. Right. And those are all so personalized. Like nowadays you can't fucking walk down. If I walk down Brooklyn and ask 30 people their typical way of exercising, I would get 30 different answers. It would never be like, I like to lift weights. And we're seeing it with like fantasy football, right? Like for 20 years or so, it was season long leagues pretty much. Right. It was like, that's how you played. Um, and I'm not really even sure when dynasty leagues started, but there's season long, there's dynasty for people who are more into that than the whole DFS boom that started 10 years ago or so. Um, and we're seeing best ball slowly become a little bit more mainstream. So it's all these little different avenues that are personalized towards the audience member. Um, you know, some people are like, fuck season longs. I don't have like any friends that I could do a 12 man league with. So it's like, we are doing that. I'd rather just play DFS and try to make money because it's more of like a business thing for them. So it's really hard to pinpoint what I think is like the next avenue, but I think we're going to continually see more of like those big categories break down into nichier and nichier things. And I'm seeing that, like I get emails pretty often from um, like new startup websites that are like, Oh, we'd love to have you promote our new product or whatever. And like, this is the differentiation between it. Like we want to hit more beginners than the intermediate players and the expert players. So uh, I'm already seeing that. Uh, but like in terms of like, what's going to be the next platform to kind of bust off, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's anyone's guess. And, um, I do think we're doing a good job as an industry of being more like predictive with the numbers. And I think that's so important to be able to differentiate or like, you know, transfer to the audience, that kind of information and letting them know like what you should really be looking out for, because there's just so much fucking noise all over the place. And, you know, you can get consumed by it and you don't know like what, what's right, what's wrong, what you should be looking at it. Um, as, and, and we're having, you know, an influx of, of people coming into the industry that have such different backgrounds. Like I would never consider myself, like, I love to break down the numbers, but if you told me to do something like Josh Hermsmeyer does, or Josh ADHD does with, like in Excel and like those kind of crazy fucking numbers and variants and standard deviation, like I'm done, I'm, I'm lost. You know what I mean? So we have a, an influx of people with such varied backgrounds and skill sets. Um, 
that like we're going to see the industry like massively progress. And I actually, what I think is going to happen within the next 10 years is we're going to have a couple people from the fantasy industry that are better than the people in the front office in the NFL right now that are going to start getting jobs on NFL teams. And then eventually they're going to start opening their eyes because we look at analytics so in depth and they don't do that yet. And, uh, and I think we do a great job as an industry, like really pinpointing why something is successful versus why something is a failure just based on analytics uh, solely. And once teams buy into that, I think the cream will, will rise to the crop, uh, the top, you know, and like that will play itself out. And I think that that will also happen. I agree with you. And that's, that's, uh, it sounds like kind of a crazy uh, take, I guess, if you're not super in depth in fantasy, like we are, yeah. but I a hundred percent agree with you, man, because you're right. The turnover rate and whose players better for what, and you know, like a James white dude versus Sony Michelle, just skill set wise. And if people started looking at shit, I mean, I know, you know, Belichick has all the cheat codes already, but you start <laughs> looking at all those kind of things that, you know, all of a sudden you, you, you can start, you know, playing players differently, which would be a bitch for fantasy people. Cause all of a sudden now you don't have any running back doing, you know, you don't have any more yeah. uh, bell cow guys because they're all specialized, which is lame that way anyway. But I agree with you there. What are, uh, what are three uh, things in your, in your draft guide um, that you have seen the feedback on from your supporters that have been the most, um, you know, uh, valuable to, to them? Are, are people just like, yo, I want to see your rankings. Like that's my main shit. I go off of your rankings because I believe in you and I don't give a shit what Matt Berry says. I want to know what Nick or Galano says. I want your rankings or they want your, you know, your sleepers and busts and have a sneak attack of drafts. Like what are the couple of things that your supporters have come at you and said, you know, these things help me the most in your draft guide. Yeah. So I would say rankings are by far and away. Number one, um, the rankings are, if there's ever like an issue with the rankings, if they're not like aesthetically pleasing in one way or another, I will not hear the end of it. So that is like, that's like the thing I least like doing, but it's the thing I know people love the most. Um, so like last year in my draft guide, I only had half PPR rankings and I was like, oh, you know what? You can kind of adjust accordingly. So this year I made sure I put standard half and full PPR so that people can, you know, um, feel like it was a little bit more personalized to them. And I know a lot of draft guides now do like custom scoring. And a lot of people want that because like I said, people are playing in way more individualized leagues. Like we have super flex, tight end premium, half point per carry, you know, whatever shit's going on. And they want to be able to insert their, their scoring settings into my guide and get it custom made for that. The only problem with that is like, you need to have all player projections done, right? You need to have all the numbers in there. So as soon as they tweak something, it automatically uh, adjusts itself. That's not something that I you would manually do. Like anyone who has custom scoring in the draft guide, it's not a manual thing to do projections. I think projections are like, I'm not about to sit there and project out every team, their pass to run split based on their OC and head coach, just so I can look back and be completely fucking wrong at the end of the year. When I do my rankings, I imagine I'm on the clock. And I'm like, who is the best player on the board here? And that's how I do my rankings. Mm -hmm. So if you trust me in that sense, which I fucking wouldn't, to be honest with you, that's how I do them. And I probably won't be able to do any custom scoring. Rankings are number one. People love the fact that I go in depth on the player analysis in there. Because, you know, when they watch my videos, that's what most of the, the ones that do like them, that's what they like about it. The fact that I break down players for like nine minutes at a time, it's the same way in the guide. I my Like my top sleepers list might only be like, seven players it's not it's longer but like seven players would be like fucking 30 minutes of reading you know what I mean so I get a lot of comments on that like I love the in-depth that you back up everything with facts and then another one and then another one um so that stuff's cool and then the resources just showing them how to find stuff that's always been like really big for them um they love being able to you know not always having to reach out to me and be like where do I find this how do I do this 
and being able to do that on their own. That's like what I'm really happy about because that's at the end of the day, I'm trying to teach them to, to be better, you know? Absolutely. And, and I think that's something that I really, uh, really have found valuable in the music world, which it's just a life thing and you can put it to fantasy football, whatever. But I, uh, I too am, you know, the manager and the booking agent of a very kind of, you know, upper, upper tier reggae band in the Northwest. And we've been touring nationally for quite a while. We have quite a name for ourselves, but a lot of the, the, the bands below us look up to us and things, but they reach out to me all the time. Like, Hey, how do I book this show? How do I do that? How do I do that? And I've never once been like, dude, like who the fuck are you? Or no thanks. Or I did all that work. You can't have that information. My thing is like, Hey bro, like I want you to cut corners and not spend 10 years to do the shit. I could have done in three. If I knew what I was doing, use it. Cause the thing, and again, not to, you know, keep, uh, keep harping on Gary, but another big thing there is just like, you can tell anybody anything, right? They still have to implement it and put it to work. Right. right. And I think that you get a lot of respect uh, from your peers and your followers on like, Hey man, here's everything you, you need to be successful. You just need to fucking get it done on, on yourself, which I think is, is awesome that you, that you do that. And you've been very helpful just uh, through the, the networks in general. And um, at the end of your podcast and your YouTubes, you have like, you know, like I mentioned, your camera, your microphone, your everything else, you're just putting the information out there so that people can, um, you know, get to where they need to be, which I appreciate. Um, before we move on to kind of some recent events that y'all have gone into, because I would love to hear about the, the footballers live in New York and some other things. Um, talking about the, the, I don't know about social media uh, specifically, but just kind of like getting your information out there. I'm a smaller podcast, right? I've been yeah. doing it with music for a long time. So I know some of the, the tricks in the trade, but the TCK pod, like Candlestick Kids page is like not even 300 followers. I don't even have a YouTube channel yet. I haven't built it. Um, you know, Twitter is slow going. So in fantasy football, I'm the bottom of the food chain, right? But I want to get up to the, to the top and, and get the word out there. What are some things that you find most valuable for somebody at my level that doesn't have the network yet? Um, you know, when you were beginning, what are some things that like really kept it going to help, you know, help boost up those algorithms, you know, where to study from shit like that, just to kind of get the, get the feet wet and get the word out there for the information. Yeah. I mean, well, number one, like what you're doing right now, um, this is how I did it with Andy, right? Um, he was the first person I reached out to. You reached out to me with like a very respectful, like in-depth email about why you wanted to like have the chat with me. And um, obviously it was like personalized because you said a lot of things that I'm passionate about. I was like, clearly he, you know, he's been following me for a little bit and like knows what I like to talk about and the things that I'm passionate about. So um, I did the same thing with Andy, like a very similar email uh, that you had sent over. I had sent over something like that to him and he answered me quickly and like he had no business coming on my show because he's, you know, his following is five times the size my following is now, right? And I'm at my peak, obviously. So he didn't have to come on, but I, I guess the way I presented it was like something that he was interested in. So I would say like doing stuff like this. And then, you know, once I got Andy on, all I had, all I had to do was leverage his name. And, uh, and like, you know, if you're trying to get on guys that are like your size or a little bit bigger or like my size or something, you could leverage my name to do that probably. And a lot of them, if they knew who I was, they would be like, okay, you know what, show them this episode. And they'll be like, this is pretty cool shit. You know, like I would love to come on. And that's, you know, that's one way of doing it. That's one way of building a network. Um, I don't think that's the best way because, you know, like when I started that series, it wasn't to try to build a following at all. It was literally something like I wanted to learn more and I wanted to give value to the audience. Um, but with that, of course, naturally, it's like I, you know, I tweet those videos out and then like they would tweet it out to their audience. 
But at the end of the day, like you don't get quick hits like that. Like that's not what builds your brand. You know, like I'm not going to have Andy tweeted out like the, the video of the podcast. And like at the end of the day, like maybe that netted me like 50 followers, but like, that's really not, that's not what gets you anywhere, you know? Um, so in terms of actually building like a, like a brand from where you are and if you're starting new, um, and it's crazy because like going back to Gary V, most of the stuff that he was, that he talked about for a while related to me so fucking much because I was in like a perfect storm because he always, like he's in marketing, right? And he always talked about like Facebook and Instagram advertising. And that's literally what I was doing at my job at the time. But on the side, also trying to build a brand. So like everything he talked about was super fucking relatable to me, right? So I would always be implementing the stuff that he talked about. I think one of like the most important things is, you know, we talk about fade the public, like zig when people zag, like you got to be willing to do weird shit and get into markets that are not there. And I tweeted, I tweeted something out yesterday. Um, I said like the YouTube uh, fantasy football YouTube is super fucking saturated right now. And I knew it would get there, but I didn't think it would be this quickly. Like you can't go on YouTube without having seven videos came out that day with all like the spammiest, like clickbaity title. And that's like what YouTube is now. And now it's, it's only going to get worse from here. So like what you need to be doing is looking out for these new platforms. You always look for the audience. You always go where the audience is. You go where the eyeballs are, as, as Gary would say, right? And like where I see things right now for fantasies, like I, you know, I think Twitch is, someone's going to blow the fuck up on Twitch, like no doubt. And I like, realistically, I should be putting a lot of eggs into that basket. But I mean, admittedly, I'm getting content on YouTube. Like it's growing well, but I know I should be transferring over there. It's something that you're not going to see short-term return on. But if you cement yourself as like the go-to guy on Twitch when no one else is doing fantasy football stuff there, you'll build an audience there because there's going to be an audience there. So people are hesitant. They look at, you know, like blogging um, is how a lot of people came up and podcasts are how a lot of people came up and YouTube are, is starting to be how some people came up. If you ask anyone that blew up on that platform, they're going to tell you that they got lucky. They got in there in the beginning. I would say the same thing. Like I'm, I'm fortunate that I uh, started as early as I did and I wish I started earlier and took it more seriously earlier. Um, anyone who started blogging and blew up via blogging, they'll tell you exactly the same thing. But it's not luck how they got there. They just worked very hard. And yes, they, they hit a little bit of luck. Um, but at the end of the day, that's how anyone is going to grow on a platform. You have to will, be willing to go to weird places, put yourself out there and work really hard at those places. So I'm looking at Twitch. Um, something Gary always talks about is voice. And I think podcast is ridiculously saturated right now for fantasy football. There's, there's really no organic growth on, on like podcasting and the Apple platform, but he talks about Amazon Alexa and, uh, you can make a skill on there, which is basically uh, a little voice memo, which is like, you know, anywhere from 20 seconds to fucking five minutes if you want it to be, I'm not really sure what the max length is, but if you can become like a go-to guy that gives like a good fantasy football tip every single day right now, your audience isn't really going to be there. But if you start doing that now, every day, like anyone who searches fantasy football is going to see your name on it, you know? Um, and I also think like Instagram is still super fucking unsaturated when it comes to fantasy football. So at the end of the day, it's, it's being able to go to these new platforms, although it feels weird, although, you know, people are going to be like, what are you, like, why are you doing it on there when this was the norm? That's how you capture a market, you know? And then once it's big, then you can be like, yeah, I got in early and that's what I did. I worked really hard on that. So it feels weird. Like I don't want to do Twitch because I'm hesitant because it's new. And I'm like, fuck, like what if it's a waste of time? But like, you have to take that gamble. You don't have a choice if you want to reach a certain level. Like when I started YouTube five years ago, it was fucking weird. Like no one was talking about fantasy football on YouTube. You know what I mean? But I would naturally, that was just where I saw myself going and like how I was best doing it. But it wasn't like cool to be doing it. Now it might look cool. And like, you might want to have a YouTube channel, but like back then it wasn't. And 
those are the kind of things you need to do in order to build the audience. Great. Thank you. That, that's very valuable for me. And I'm sure a lot of the listeners, again, in the network that I'm at, kind of, you know, a tear down or whatever, it's mm-hmm. really important. That's, that's really a big reason why I wanted to have you on here to celebrate the 100th episode. But I, I reached out to you first and foremost, because you've been inspiring to me. But also, again, like, I'm kind of shifting out of music more into this world among my life and just kind of like rebuilding. And I did that 10 years ago with the band. So like, I know what it takes. I know how long right. it takes. And I'm, I'm willing to take all the bumps and bruises. That's not a problem. But I'm just like, yo, if I can, if I can save some time learning some shit by asking a few questions, like, you know, let's climb the ladder kind of vibe. Yeah, I would say number one, I would, I would say get on Twitch. Um, I can't, I mean, I can't promise success on there, but if I see one platform, like dude, video is so fucking powerful. Um, and like that, like how many, how often do you see a video platform make itself available and have like a very large land grab there? You know, like that, that shit doesn't come around often. So um, that is where I would like to be like Instagram's cool, but at the end of the day, you're putting up pictures of fucking players on there. You know what I mean? Um, and ha- like how much of a personal brand can you really build on there? You could take videos, but like Twitch live streaming, man, like your personality comes out on there and that's, that's the way to, to build a personal brand. So if I was going to say like, commit your time somewhere, I mean, you could throw shit up on YouTube, but if you want to go like all in on video, man, try, try Twitch. Awesome. And, and as far as the interviews go uh, with you and I, and just you and, and, you know, the fans, footballers, and other people who came onto your uh, channel. Um, who are some people that you haven't interviewed that you'd like to, uh, whether it's again, set up or not uh, behind the scenes, mm-hmm. but who are just some people that you're kind of looking up to, or just again, pie in the sky someday you'd like to interview that person either in the fantasy football world or otherwise to, to wrap it back into the, the branding or, you know, the program or whatever. Yeah. It, it's an interesting question because one of, you know, when I started, I, I, I was like, I wish every guest was building something like myself or the fantasy footballers. Right. But that's just not how it worked. So I almost, I mean, it, admittedly full transparency. Like I, I reached out to multiple big names, like oh, a ton of big names in the industry that just never got back to me, like completely just, you know, like left me on red, which is fine. I'm like, if I was in their position and I saw someone that whatever, you know, um, but now, you know, after this season, I'll probably have like a, a, enough leverage where I could reach out to most people and, and have them on. And I'm trying to find people that I think are taking a unique path and being super innovative in the industry. And I'll tell you what, it's, it's really, I keep knocking the industry as a whole, but like, there's not a lot of people doing innovative shit, right? Um, one person, or actually a few people that I really want to fucking have on um, are Evan Silva and Adam Leviton. And um, ironically, they both just left what they were doing and are starting a brand together. Uh, I believe it's called Establish the Run. That's going to be like their branding thing. And uh, for starters, I can't believe they fucking waited this long to branch off and do their own thing because, bro, when you have the audience, you have all of the fucking leverage. I mean, like, what is Roto World going to be when Evan Silva leaves? Like, I'll still go there for player updates and stuff, but in terms of branding, I mean, like, Evan Silva is that brand. And, you know, Adam Leviton is his own fucking personal brand. So, in my opinion, they were leaving a tremendous amount of money on the table but it's all, uh, again, self-awareness though. Like if you're not, you know, if you love doing what you're doing and you're fine, you're not someone who wants to be like a fucking business venture person, then, then more power to you. Um, but those are two guys I want to have on one, because they were just such big names in the industry. Adam, Adam just seems like someone I would get along with very fucking well. And I'd love to have a conversation with him. Evan is like the, you know, the OG of fantasy football. So I kind of uh, feel like I need to have him on and he gave snacks to follow fucking two weeks ago, which really pissed me off. And I don't know. I don't know how that even happened. Cause he talks so much shit to him about the giants that he eventually gave him a follow. And I think he's actually coming on fade the public within the next couple of weeks. Cause oh, love it. 
they've been exchanging DMs. But uh, yeah, those those would be the big two I'd want to have on. Um, Warren Sharp as well, even though he's more like uh, football NFL than actually fantasy football. But he's uh, he's someone that will be that like consults with NFL teams already. So he's one of the first people I would imagine that will actually take a full time job in the front office if, if he chooses to. So those would definitely be my top three guys. Um, the rest is going to be like on me to research uh, who I want to you know bring on because I I don't really see a lot of innovative people in the industry to be honest how valuable do you think it would be um to have players on right like um like like on the team in it like i i um i'm 32 so a little bit older than you but um i had you know a lot of my guys are too old for nfl and and shit but i got a lot of friends in the mlb and um some younger friends uh, in the nfl still and just having conversations with them like what is it like a training camp what is you know, I'm a 49er guy. I live out West, right, in Oregon, so I'm a West Coast cat. But it's like getting their idea of, like, what's Jimmy Garoppolo actually like kind of a thing. Um, I'm just curious. Like, that's something that I would like to look into eventually when, of course, I have a network enough to, like, reach out to George Kittle, for example. Be like, hey, bro, come on the fucking podcast when you got nothing to do. <laughs> you know, shit like that. But um, just curious if, if, if you think that would actually be valuable uh, to talk fantasy football or just football in general uh, to get, like, a player perspective. Because, you know, playing – football and baseball for 20 years of my life it's a whole nother fucking game dude when you have somebody on the field um not just a gm or not just a coach but like the dude running the plays having the conversation sharing a locker um that kind of shit i think is awesome and that's something that i want to do you know when i'm able to get to that level is um that's something i just don't see any fantasy football podcast or channel or anything doing is talking to players about fantasy football and whether they play or not or they're allowed to or whatever there's always weird rules they fucking know about it and, yeah. and they have each other on each other's team and themselves on each other's team. It's like real life Madden, dude. That shit's crazy. Yeah. I would, uh, I would love to get a player on my channel. Um, I don't think anyone in the fantasy industry has enough leverage to like have a full 60 minute conversation with any player, to be honest. Um, sure. A lot of them do like interviews. I know like Matt Harmon, but that's obviously off the backbone of the leverage that Yahoo has, you know, right. uh, I would. Yeah. So like in the beginning, for the uh, behind the scenes interview series, two years ago, I started it and I did it throughout the summer, but I realized quickly that like, this is peak fucking, this is like clickbait season. You know what I mean? Like this is when the exponential growth is. So like those things, while they're my favorite pieces of content to create would be better suited uh, in other parts of the year, you know? Um, so that I'm not losing out on new subscribers and stuff. Well, I could put like, I'll put out one of those videos to get maybe 800 views or if I put out like a sleeper video that day, it'd get 8,000 views, you know, and bring on a lot more eyeballs. So now I'm doing that in the off season. So as soon as one of the, as soon as the NFL ends, I will kick that back up probably from like week 17 through the NFL draft. So hopefully like 15, 16 weeks. And when I started the list of who I wanted to bring on, an NFL player was on that list. I, I didn't actually think I was going to be able to do it, but I actually think like I would have a fucking amazing conversation with an NFL player. Cause I feel like I relate to them. Um, and I was never like an athlete at you know a high level, but I played sports like all of my life. And you know you could just you get that feeling with like other people that that have done that as well. And I would love to you know sit down with them and like I would relate to them way better than most of the guys in the fantasy football industry because a lot of them are like much older, right? And they they don't um, they don't mesh well with like millennials, if I want to put it that way. But like football players are young. They're my age. And uh, I think I would have such a good conversation and I, I would really dig into 
as players, how do they view fantasy football? Like, does it piss them off? Like, do they actually, like, what percentage of people play it? Is that shit fucking annoying? Because I'd imagine fantasy football put the spotlight on NFL players to an exponential degree. Like, popular offensive players can't go anywhere without getting shit about fantasy football, you know, yelled at them. So, like, I want to know really, like, in depth what they actually think about it, you know? And that's that's the kind of stuff I would be interested in, uh, in really, like, talking to them about. So, eventually... When I get some more leverage, it probably won't be for a long time, but uh, I'm, I'm going to try to bring an NFL player on the channel. It'll, it'll be soon, dog. And I think that, I think personally for me, uh, you know, I wanted to interview you, uh, but for me, the, the next big thing I think in fantasy football is kind of maybe one of those things, just getting the like player perspective vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, with, with the, the fantasy footballers, again, have the intros, you know, a lot of times you'll hear, you know, hey, this is Melvin Gordon. You're listening to fantasy footballers, blah, 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 right? Because they go yeah. to these, you know, networks and things like that and, and shit. But I think for them, I mean, they could spend an extra 15 minutes and just be like, yo, man, like in the off season, that's the time that you're going to get these guys available. Yeah. Right? You can't talk to any NFL player from right now until fucking February, no matter what. Right. But in, say, April, I mean, you know, you might be able to have a conversation. So worth it, you know? Like, you know, throw the spears, man. See what's yeah. The other, the other thing, too, is I would imagine NFL players are super fucking hesitant to talk to people in this industry because they all ask the same boring-ass questions. You know what sure. I mean? Like, it's like, oh, how do you think this guy's going to do? Should you be the first overall pick? It's like, no, he's a fucking backup tight end. Like, no, he shouldn't be. But, but he'll say he is. It's like, you know, they just get bombarded with dumb-ass questions. That they're like, I don't want to do this interview. But I feel like, you know, if I was able to have a conversation with one of them and be like, this is what this is all about, you know, like, they might be more open to it, but it's about, you know, being able to actually get in contact with them. That's the I'm with you. And I'm, I'm more, I'm more mindset driven too, like you right. are, you know, I, I'm more just, I want to talk to somebody and be like, dude, when you're on the field and you fucking drop a touchdown, is it literally in your head that you like let people down? We saw the last couple of years, I think Melvin Gordon was it last year, the year before who had, he had a shitty game or he, something happened where he like came out and straight up like apologized to his fantasy footballer. I think that was, I think, I feel like that was like Todd Gurley too. When he like, he like kneeled near the goal line or some shit. Like they apologized. Like they have some, some sort of responsibility to fulfill your and my desire for them to succeed. And like that blew my mind. And they they just get bombarded with fantasy shit all day. That's why. So it's like the mindset of like, you know, um, how important they are to like the community. And if they, if they have a bad game, they let down all their fans and shit. Like, dude, that's a lot of pressure whether yeah. you take it or not. And I'm just people like people like will literally hate a guy if he like doesn't do well for them in fantasy. You know what I mean? That's like super fucked up. Like, I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. Like that, that's uh that, that would be a question I would definitely have to ask them. Well, I think maybe at this point, the people that could pull that off uh, would be the fantasy footballers. And I want to dive into some recent events that, you and Snacks and Animal and the Big Dogs community have been rocking, which has been badass and something that I definitely want to do at, at a certain time. And that is the uh, Fantasy Footballers live show in New York City um, yep. and also the NFL draft, which we'll get to here in just a little bit. But uh, you mentioned, you know, you've had Andy, Mike and Jason uh, from the Fantasy Footballers on your YouTube channel and podcast. So make sure uh, listeners make sure you go check out those episodes. Very, very insightful. And all those dudes to me seem like the guy you could just fucking have over for dinner and you know just kick it with and like hang out at some like kids soccer game and just bullshit with them for a few hours just super real dudes which is great um and you know they they i heard you mention on your kind of recap episode of of that situation they hooked you up with tickets uh which i just wanted to kind of see what 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 that was like and how that worked out and then additionally what is brooks like 
um, you know, and just kind of, you know, you don't see him. He's kind of the, you know, yeah. the, the, the person behind uh, what they do there. And I think it's really important that those kind of guys get some shine. Um, so just in general, how was it to actually meet them after talking to them, having a relationship already? The event in general, because like they put on a fucking concert as yep. a fantasy football analyst. Yep. What, what is the energy like? How is it like? Um, what is it like to go to one of those those events in in your backyard? Um, and y'all had a meetup as well for your uh, followers too, right? Yeah. So the whole thing was like, you know, as I mentioned, me and Andy kind of built a relationship off of that first interview I had with him. Um, so we had stayed in touch and, you know, they do their live tour every summer and it's getting a little bit bigger and bigger. And, uh, they were actually in Brooklyn last summer. I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't living in Brooklyn at the time, but he's like, yeah, when we come to, he DM me and he was like, I'm going to be in New York for our show, uh, next week or whatever. He's like, I'm going to drop you a couple tickets at, at will call if you want to come by. And I was like, fuck yeah, I'm not going to, you know, say no to that opportunity. So, uh, we had planned to go and, uh, me and animal ended up going snacks had to bail last minute for uh, like a family emergency. We, we wanted to do like, you know, I said, anytime I could try to mix in a little bit of a live thing. Um, I, I tried to do that. And, uh, we went to an ale house that was like, it was at the Gramercy theater, the show, there was a Gramercy ale house, like around the corner. So we were telling our audience, like, Hey, if anyone wants to come hang out with us, uh, we'll be there. The show started at seven. And we didn't get to the ale house until like 6.55. So I apologize if anyone got there to like meet us beforehand. <laughs> we weren't there. But there were, when I showed up, Animal got there before me because he was traveling in from Jersey. And I was coming in from Brooklyn. And he was hanging out with like five or six people that came to, um, to meet up with us. And a fucking really funny story. Uh, one of the guys there was someone who subscribed to my channel like six years ago. One of my first videos I ever put out. It was in Snacks' basement. It was me, Snacks, and one of my other friends. We did a mock draft. It was like one of the first five videos we ever put out. And he commented on the video and was like, this is super unprofessional, like linked to timestamp. Like one of my friends like picked his nose during the video. And, uh, and I get those, those comments like pretty often. I, I mean, my quality is a little bit better now, so I don't get told we're unprofessional anymore, even though I don't like give a fuck. But the guy, I remembered that comment like six years later. And he was like, do you remember this comment? Like when I dropped it on that video and I was like, holy shit. This is a guy really from fucking, <laughs> yeah, like you motherfucker. He's like, yeah, he's like, he's like, dude, you've come like such a fucking long way. And uh, so we hung out with like four or five people there. We walked over to the event and, um, and it was cool because I actually ran into, you know, I mean, we have overlapping audience. So I ran, I ended up running into maybe um, like five, six, seven, eight, whatever people that, that knew who I was based off of my YouTube channel, which was the first time that's ever happened to me. And that was a really, really like cool feeling just getting to meet some of those people. But in terms of the show, man, they are, yeah, they're fucking electric. They're really good at it, man. And you could tell that they've done it many times because they had some, some serious hecklers and they kept their cool. And I know if I was up there, I would be fucking shouting back at every single person that heckled us. I know snacks would have probably gotten escorted out of the fucking uh, theater by the end of the show. So, but again, I mean, that's kind of on brand for us. So I wouldn't really be mad if that ended up happening, but they're really good, man. And, uh, they, you know, they're so authentic, like on their shows that when I met them, it wasn't, I wasn't like nervous. It was just exactly who they were. I wasn't expecting them to be any different and, uh, really cool dudes to hang out with. Like I said before, me and Andy relate very highly on, on like a, a passion and interest level. I would say me and Mike relate the most on a personality level. Like he's someone that, you know, I would love to go out with on, on weekends and shit. Like, I feel like I'd have a great time with him. Although he didn't come out with us that night. We met them after the show. Um, we were like the last people to talk to him because everyone lined up for like a meet and greet or whatever. I wanted to hang out with them for a minute. 
So I was talking to them afterwards and Mike was like, yo, what are you doing uh, after the show? And I was like, I don't know what the fuck are you guys doing? You know, and let me know where you guys go. So Andy texted me afterwards. and was like, we're going to our hotel bar. So we took a subway up to Midtown, met them at the hotel bar. And uh, Mike, unfortunately, was feeling like really shitty after the show, which, is, which sucks because I really want to hang out with him. But he was, you know, you couldn't even tell while he was on stage, super professional. Um, so we went there. We ended up going bar hopping to another bar. And uh, just super fucking cool to hang out. We were pounding margaritas, pounding fucking white Russians and shit, like really getting after it that night. And Brooks was there. So Brooks is, you know, when he, when you say he's behind the scenes, uh, that is what he is. He is, he does not like the spotlight. Um, they will be the first ones to tell you that. And he is, he's introverted, really nice guy, like super, super nice guy. Um, I didn't get to like talk to him personally one-on-one -on -one too much, but we were at the same table for a while. Um, and you know, really nice guy. I would, I would love to like sit down and get to know him a little more, but he's, uh, very similar to, um, you know, when they were starting out, they said Brooks was like the guy who just put in the fucking work, you know, like there was no promise. They weren't like, we're going to fucking, I'm pretty sure the backstory, I was kind of drunk at this point to be honest. So I can't, I, you're going to have to like quote check me on this, but I'm pretty sure Brooks picked up his shit and just moved out to Arizona where they were without having like an actual job in place from them. But like, that's, that's the shit. Like when I talk about Noah and just the amount of work he put in for, like, I didn't tell him like anything was promised whatsoever. And when he started writing for me, like my following wasn't that big, like wasn't, wasn't anywhere near big enough for you would like bet a lot, you know, you would put a lot of chips into the fucking table for it. Um, and I think that was very similar to what Brooks did with them. And then he's obviously there for life and has done a phenomenal job with, uh, with what he's done for them. So he's, um, very much an introverted person and, uh, it's funny that he's been able to become like a little minor celebrity because one, I don't think he ever envisioned that happening. And two, if you ask them, he probably would be like, I mean, maybe now he'd be like, yeah, it's really cool. But I doubt he even like want it to be honest. Yeah. And, and I just put a note here in the, in the thing that I, I think he's kind of the biggest sleeper in the fantasy football industry. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. What, what he, what he does, uh, what he does for that program and, and the production and everything else um, is incredible. And, you know, Andy, Mike and Jason, obviously are the face and the brand of, of what they do. Uh, and the voice and everything, but when they turn to uh, Brooks, you know, and they have the fun shit with Jay Grizz and stuff, who's a fucking cardboard bear. When one of them, right, does. right, <laughs> it's cool shit like that. Like that's just a funny, like they're they're entertainers. Um, so kudos to Mike, because uh, I've definitely been on stage not feeling well, and you still got to put on the show, dude. It's at the at the heart of it, yo, they are they are entertainers. Uh, and I I realistically I don't think I could ever I don't think I'll ever be on the on the level that they are in terms of like like off the rip, man. Like Jason is. Like actually, Jason is comedy. You know what I mean? Like he can, like that's yeah, right. Like he can fucking spit out jokes on command. Like extremely witty. Um, all three of them are. You know what I mean? And like, not a lot of people have that, especially not in like a trio, um, like they have. So at the core of who they are, they are like they are legit. Like you, you're you can't poke holes in what they actually do. There's a reason that they're at the top of the game. You know? Awesome. That's awesome, man. Well, I, I look forward to, to connecting with them yeah. soon as well. Another so another big thing was uh, the NFL draft in Nashville. Um, and y'all had a, y'all had a great uh, recap um, video on that, which I highly recommend that, you know, people check out just cause it was kind of cool to see you guys down on the ground there checking those things out. And so just, you know, for the, for the NFL draft, um, you know, what were just some quick highlights of it, you know, and uh, maybe some people you interviewed or you tried to, and it didn't work out, whatever, like, what was it like to be there for a few days um, and just kind of camp out and, and be at the draft and, uh, how, how interesting, how, like, what is the actual, like, 
um, energy there because you watch it on TV and they only uh, show the fan base of the pick. So everyone's like, yeah. And you can tell like, you know, the Daniel Jones thing sticks out, you know, sorry. Oh, uh, yeah. but, like, but you know, it, it like, it, it, and you see the fans be like, who, like, like what? And that's like a, you know, a, a real reaction, but just the other people who aren't paying, you know, a thousand dollars to be in the fucking front row to be on camera. What is the general vibe of an NFL draft? How is it like to be there for days and just hear these names that not a lot of people know? And you probably know most of them because you're in the industry. But yeah. just the general fan is like, I don't know, fucking 90% of these guys. Right. Uh, I mean, first off, if you saw like any pictures or videos of the city, it was fucking electric that weekend. It's just almost something I've never seen before. And I've been to Nashville one other time. Uh, I went for New Year's Eve like – I think maybe when I was 21, when I first turned 21, we were in New Year's and it was similar to that. And they have like one strip and maybe, you know, there are other parts of Nashville that are very popular that I don't actually know about, but they have like where they did the NFL draft. It's on, it's called Broadway, right? That's that street, the main street. And like they have a, the stage at the end of it. And for New Year's Eve, they had uh, the fray, the band, the fray playing like all night. And for this, they had the NFL draft. That's where the people, you know, walked up and, and got selected and whatnot. Um, but unless you're, it's almost like a new year's Eve thing where unless you're willing to go out there and wait online really early, um, like you're not going to be anywhere near the stage. And that didn't really matter because there was just so many fucking people there. The whole city was just like, I, I you know, it was great energy and like uh, great vibes. I, I hate, I, I hate using that, that word, but like there was great vibes there going around and like, you know, when you go somewhere like on vacation and it's a spot where everyone else is also on vacation the energy there is just like everyone's ready to fucking roll and party and stuff. And that, that's how it was there. But it was just like a lot of old dudes that were like football fans. So it was a little, a little hectic in a sense. But uh, Nashville did such a fucking good job. Um, we interviewed Taylor Lewan. That was the only NFL player we got around to interviewing. And the only reason, like we had no access. We were literally just fucking three assholes going and just having fun there, right? Like we, we didn't have any like media access or anything. So we found Taylor Lewan just on the street while we were interviewing people um, random fans and stuff so we just like kind of ran up to his face and we're like yeah we're interviewing you and just started asking him a bunch of like ignorant questions and whatnot and uh that was a great interview that was really fun we didn't get to we didn't I don't think we ran into anyone else that was like a celebrity like maybe we saw a few people that were like kind of uh, hidden away in like different bars and restaurants but they were you couldn't really access them um so you know it would it would be something I would love to do again because um because maybe when I have a little bit more leverage, I'll be able to have access to them. But it's funny because the draft was held in New York for so long and it was really close to me, but I had never gone to it. And now that it was in Nashville, we like fucking drove down there. So my favorite parts were definitely just like the energy overall. And we realistically, we just like partied for like two or three days in a row. And it was just like super fun. And uh, interviewing people on the street was fantastic. That's a lot harder than it looks. Um, like getting the people to come interview with you uh, making sure it is produced at like a high quality level in terms of like audio and the shit going on around you. And, uh, and in that sense, like you do have to be an entertainer because you don't, you, you don't edit that shit. You know what I mean? Like you have to be quick on your feet. You're interviewing a live person. So like you have to have your wits about you and you know, you can't like stumble really. Otherwise it's just like kind of fucks up the whole interview. So that whole process, like live interviewing people is very difficult. And by the way, I just want to plug this in here you're, you're very good at doing this. Like you're good at transitioning, um, to like the next question. Um, and that was something I always thought I was good at in the beginning, but it was a skill that I had to like learn and acquire. And I think just like, as a tip to you, it's like, as soon as you start treating it as just like a conversation, like you don't worry about the audience. It's just like you and me talking like two dudes at a bar or whatever. 
and you just go back and forth and you don't have to make everything such like a, an official transition to the next question, you know, when you can just have it conversational is, uh, is really important when you're doing interviews like this. Um, so you're doing a fantastic job by the way. So just keep doing what you're doing. That means a lot. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. Good stuff. Um, the NFL draft. Yeah. I, I would say like, those are my favorite parts. I would, um, for the backstory of like the draft, I remember walking, it was like one of the first weeks that we did fade the public. So we were like three weeks into it or something. And I was like, yo, I walked into the dungeon. I was like, we're clear your calendar for this weekend. We're going down to the NFL draft. Like at that point, you know, uh, I don't even know if they took me seriously, but like when I say shit like that, I'm like, like, this is happening. There was no doubt in my mind that we were going to do it, you know? Um, and we opened up a GoFundMe, right? We were like, yo, let's, uh, let's see what we can do GoFundMe wise and see if we could raise a little bit of money. And at, at the beginning, when we first started talking about it, we're like, dude, even if we get like $200 from the GoFundMe, you know, that, that pays for gas, that pays for snacks or whatever for the weekend. And, uh, and what we did was we opened it up to, uh, we were like snacks and animal, uh, snacks and animal have never played in the dynasty fantasy football league. And I was like, yo, you got to do this. This is really fun. Let's, let's start one between us and a couple other people. And I was like, what if we open it up to our audience and they can donate to the GoFundMe for every dollar they put in, that will be an entry into the raffle. So for everyone entering, right, obviously the more money, the more incentive you have to win the raffle and whatnot. I wasn't sure how that was going to work. Really, really, when we, if you had asked me when we first started it, I would have probably pegged it around like maybe raising $500, maybe, right? Um, and like the weeks went by and the draft started coming up and we ended up raising $5,000 for the trip. So the trip was completely paid for by the audience. And that was like, that was like another moment of like the Airbnb, the, the weekend trip where it was like, aha, like, I didn't really need a reminder, but holy shit, the brand is fucking strong. You know what I mean? Like the people are paying, there was the people that are in the league now, dude, it's, it's honestly might be the best fantasy football league I'm fucking in. All of the guys are so fucking cool. We have a great group chat and the majority of them paid, you know, 300, 400, 500, $600 into the raffle to make sure they got in. I'm like, again, it's like humbling. It's like, yo, you like really want to be in this with us for forever. You know, that that's a dynasty league. So, um, that was an idea we have. And it's like, I think, you know, you gotta be creative with this kind of shit. It's tough to, um, bring in like revenue and it's not, you know, th that, that was never like the plan, but when we're doing stuff like that, um, it just, you know, it, it's crazy. It, it's really, it's really crazy just to see people really wanted to be in that league with us. And it turned out, it's just like way beyond my wildest expectations. Like even while we were there, it was like the Thursday and we were cutting off the wrap like Saturday and we were out at the bar like the first night of the draft. I remember we'd be like, oh my God, another $250 donation. We're like, shots. You know what I mean? Like we were just having like the best fucking time in the world. And, uh, and it was paid for by the audience. And um, that was really my favorite part is realizing like really how fucking strong we had shit going, you know? That's awesome, man. My, my band has done a few uh, GoFundMes for albums and things. And, you know, we put it up and we're like, shit, well, we put it like, you know, for us making an album. It's a fucking lot to produce an album, by the way, if people don't know. Even on the, like a a band, a nobody band per se, but it's like 10 K minimum to put on a legit really? album. Wow. We put it up for that. I mean, you can do them at home these days for fucking nothing, but to get like professional grade shit, it's a lot. Um, yeah. Anyway, studio time and all this stuff, but we put it for like 10 grand and we're like, fuck it. Same thing with you. Like, yo, if we get $3,000. We're like way ahead of the game and we'll cover the rest, whatever. Yeah. We ended up getting like 22 something K, Jeez. you know, it just yeah. like blew us away. It was like, holy shit. People support us that much. Like that matters. And then you kind of like up your game and you're like, okay, well people are counting on us now. Like this right. isn't this is some fucking holiday donation shit. Like this is real deal. They're buying into to what you're doing for real. So congratulations to you guys. That's awesome that you pulled that off. Really stoked. I wanted to like 
personally, I just wanted to hear what it was like to go to the footballers thing because I want to go someday and the NFL draft as well. Um, you know, unfortunately, uh, you know, we started this, this episode <laughs> and most people that I interview are not on the West Coast or either California, if anything, but everybody's East Coast, which is cool. Um, but, you know, they're like Oregon, like A, where the fuck is Oregon? And B, like, <laughs> what is there to, to do and what is it, you know? And um, I grew up on the West Coast just as my home, you know, but it's, it's interesting to see all the events and, and the big shit in the country goes down on the East Coast if it's not L.A., San Francisco, Seattle, right? Like, so it's kind of cool to just get the, the other side, um, you know, touring nationally for years. I've been in the South and East Coast a bunch musically, but just seeing everything else go down with these events would just be cool. Um, one, uh, one last note I want to mention um, was during your guys' interviews, uh, you interviewed uh, this cat who goes by only one, and he is uh, he's a my, he's an my favorite fucking interview, my favorite one outside of Taylor Lewan. So, so listeners, listeners, fucking watch this recap video. All right, first of all, it's just dope to see see you guys running around the fucking streets and interviewing people. It's awesome. But you caught up with this cat who just, I mean, he, dude, he looks like a fucking lawyer just on the sidewalk, right? I asked him about fucking getting into the fucking men in black. <laughs> exactly. It was, it was so hot out that day. I was like, why are you, like, what are you doing? Him and his totally, wife so, were, like, going to a serious business fucking meeting. Sure, so just suit and tie, like, you know, extra bougie fucking, you know, and you run up to him like, hey, man, like, give me some words. And he's, and at the end of, you know, the thing, he's a 49er fan, which I am as well. And he goes up and uh, he's like, yo, I'm an MC too. He starts breaking out this fucking beatbox shit, right? Which I just thought was hilarious. Anyway, just for shits, because I'm an, I'm an artist too. I looked him up on YouTube and uh, I, I just thought it was, it was kind of funny. He's, he's more into kind of like the mock vibe mm -hmm. uh, of, of the culture and the music and stuff like that. But I just want to let you know that I, <laughs> I looked him up really quick. I thought it was kind of funny, but he's legit. I mean, he's a legit like artist artist. Um, I could tell like right after we fucking talked to them, because that's the craziest part about the interviews, man. It's like, you could look at a lot of people and they might not surprise you. Like they might be exactly who you thought they were, but then like that, you know, uh, he whips that out and I'm like, holy shit. Yeah. Like people, everyone's just so different and everyone has like such different skill sets and does such different things with their life that like when something like that happens, like I shouldn't be surprised, but it's always so crazy. And that's, what's so fun about interviews like that. Absolutely. Yeah. It was a blast. What was your, uh, what was your favorite or most surprising or whatever you want to say, what was your biggest like player highlight? You're at the draft, you hear it, maybe some were predictable, some were way left field. What were some like, um, I'm glad that happened or like, holy shit, uh, just like actual NFL players getting, getting drafted. What were some of the biggest reactions for, for you or just your immediate crew? Yeah, I would, I mean, a hundred percent Daniel Jones at 106 to the Giants because I was with Snacks who like, Honestly, I'm surprised he didn't like kill kind himself. Kind of on life support, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like he didn't move for like six. He just like put his head down at the bar and didn't move for like a good five to six minutes. So that was that. That was fantastic from a non-Giants point of view um, because you had everyone who was a Giant like completely fucking miserable, but everybody that wasn't a Giant was just like laughing at all the Giants fans. It was fantastic. Um, I would say some of my favorite picks and, you know, I'm not like too into the defensive players as much as I, you know, know about football. I still at the heart of it, know 90% of the stuff I do about offensive skill players for fantasy. So Nikhil Harry was like my easily my favorite wide receiver prospect. Uh, well, it, him and AJ Brown, but AJ Brown ended up on the Titans, but Nikhil Harry to the Patriots. I'm really glad he went in the first round. I'm really glad he went to an organization like the Patriots. Cause I think they're going to, you know, I know they've had some bad success, like, drafting and develop, uh, developing wide receivers. But I think uh, that was a really good landing spot because he's going to be able to learn a lot from, you know, just great coaching and, and 
being able to play with Tom Brady, who knows how fucking long he's going to play for. It might be one more year. It might be five more years. So he might have Nikhil Harry there to teach him those things for a long time. So I'm glad Nikhil Harry ended up in a good situation. I also think David Montgomery to the Bears was fucking fantastic because um, Montgomery was a guy I was kind of like on the borderline for unless he fell to a good spot. And landing in that Matt Nagy offense is just fucking beautiful for him, I think. He's so versatile. Um, and that's what you need to succeed in that offense because they're going to be passing the ball a lot to their backs. I know they have Tariq Cohen, but he's going to be split out wide. He's going to be in the slot and shit like that. So I think David Montgomery is someone who is um, absolutely going to fucking eat in that offense. So from a fantasy as well as an NFL perspective, I'm, uh, I really like where Harry and Montgomery fell. Awesome. That's great. Yeah, I'd like to I'd like to just see the kind of the energy of every fan base kind of like, you know, stoked or totally disappointed. You see it every year. So that's, that's everyone. Everyone convinces themselves that they're excited about their pick. But like, it's all most of it's fucking bullshit. Well, and what's crazy about the NFL draft, man, is like we see it every single year. Every I'm year. not going to hex anybody this year. But you see guys who get picked top five first round, like third running back off the board, like super hype, whatever. They get injured. They're fucking idiots. You know, drug test you know, I mean, they get suspended, whatever. And they're, they're done in three years. I mean, how many like busts do we know more so than like, Oh, he was picked second overall and he's a hall of famer 20 years later. I Dude, mean, that's, that's honestly, I, I feel like a lot of the analytics that we use in fantasy, even to um, pinpoint like break, like wide receivers who are going to succeed in the NFL are like miles above what the NFL fucking prospects do because they all, you know, they use their subjective fucking film watching to make decisions on players, which obviously you have to do if you're in the fucking front office, but it's just one person. Like you're just watching film and you're just watching in front of a TV. Like you're not any more equipped to say like, Oh, this guy's going to be good over like you, you might watch more fucking film than guys in the front office and you might have a better opinion on it. So where I think the fantasy football industry kind of like crossroads with them there is like, we're better at the analytics, man. We really are in a lot of senses. There are teams that are fantastic with it right now. And those are the teams that are succeeding, you know, the Eagles and, and teams like that. Um, but a lot of the times, man, like you see some of these picks and I can even, I can be like, that's a fucking horrible pick. Like, I'll tell you that's not going to work out. And then in three years, it just doesn't work out. I'm like, you're a fucking NFL franchise. Like, what are you doing? You know? So I don't know. The, the NFL, NFL drafts is crazy because the bus rates are so high, even in, in like the first round. Totally agree. And, you know, speaking of drafts, let's get into some, some fantasy football talk here, man. I mean, I, I, I appreciate, the, appreciate the interview. I've wanted to just, you know, wrap with you and, and talk for years. And I really appreciate your time and energy jumping on here to celebrate the 100th episode, but have a conversation with me. You've given a lot of value to myself and, you know, my listeners and honestly, your listeners too, I'm sure, who hear you interview people all the time. Um, and hopefully I have maybe sprung up some questions or some topics that you haven't necessarily gone in depth with of you and, you know, the BDGE crew on your side. Um, so maybe have arise some extra things that your folks can get some value out of too. But we've been, you know, extremely long-winded in the interview. So let's get into some, some football, man, because, you know, this is what we love to do. And uh, I'd like to just ask you about, you know, some fantasy football league preferences, some draft things. You're the commissioner in, in most, if not all, the leagues that you're in. Yeah. I am too. And that either is just because we're the get shit done guys. Um, so we fall into that role or we just enjoy doing it, which would be fucking sickening if that's the actual case but nonetheless i just want to run through some shit and uh talk to you about you know you went into the airbnb thing already um a little bit but i just want to double back a little bit and ask um you know what y'all do because you're out there for a few days i mean you're out there for a long weekend like you said these people participating in this league put in a good coin to not just go like kick it with you and draft uh, but like it's like to be a part of a community that they hold i mean they're investing in something that they believe in Um, so i'm curious what y'all do 
outside of the draft? What do you, I mean, outside of, you know, grabbing margs and fucking drafting football, you can't do that for four days necessarily, can you? I mean, what, what else are you doing during that time? How much are you talking football? You out on the town? You know, what's up with, what's up with what y'all are doing out there? Yeah. So like at the end of the day, it circles back to me trying to build a, a sort of lifestyle brand. Right. So people that have followed me, the people that come to that event are people that have followed me like personally. Right. They don't just watch a fantasy football video and then drop fifteen hundred dollars to come all the way out to New York for that shit. Right. But like someone who thinks it's an investment um, and, and maybe you can learn something and hopefully they do. And when they come out like you, you pretty much like I want to say you live a day in a life of, of like what I do, but it's like combining a lot of my passions together. And that's what my band, my, my brand is built around is those interests and passions. So um, it's really like two days, pretty much. They, most of them flew out like Friday afternoon. So we settled in at the Airbnb. Uh, we got to know each other a little bit. And then, you know, we kind of kicked the night off and partied away. We're playing beer games and shit in the house. Then we went out to uh, a crazy fucking Italian restaurant. We were all on the tables fucking dancing by the end of the night and shit. And we, we bar hopped around. And then the next morning, uh, Saturday morning, I would say half of us, maybe six of us got up. And uh, one of my good friends that lives in New York City is a, is a personal trainer. So I got him to come out and work us out that morning. Um, because, you know, fitness is a very big part of my lifestyle. And uh, I, it's how I keep my my mind sharp. I think like mentally, it's really a big thing for me. So like that was something ingrained into the weekend. And you know, like we could be pieces of shit all weekend. And I'd be perfectly fine with that. But like, at the same time, that's not who I am. Like this other these other parts are, are a part of who I am, right? So uh, we worked out in the morning, um, grabbed some food, and then we had the draft from like 12 to 12 to four or something. So we all like kicked in and hung out and, you know, obviously just drafted. And it was, the, the live draft is fucking hilarious because some of the guys are like characters and shit. And uh, it, it was really fun. And then after that, we all, uh, we kind of just hung, hung around the Airbnb and, and more football talk, got to know each other. Uh, some people went out and probably grabbed some food and coffee or whatnot and got to know each other outside of just me. Saturday night, we went to a rooftop bar in New York. It's a really fun rooftop bar, magic hour. And uh, it was actually my birthday that night, my, that weekend. So like we fucking balled out. We got a bottle service, spent way more money than I needed to spend that fucking last night we were there. Uh, but we did, you know, what I do normally with my friends. And I just turned it into a weekend that I thought people would enjoy that are passionate about the things that I'm passionate about as well as fantasy football. So I tried to mix the best of both worlds. Um, so Saturday night, we were out late, late night. I was, I was just trying to give them, you know, for a lot of people, like I said, they came from all over the country. So uh, I tried to give them an experience in New York. If a lot of them haven't been there, um, what like a real good time is there from, from someone that I, 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 you know, I've had a lot of experiences out in New York. So I try to show them like what it's really about and not do touristy shit. So, you know, 3am we're out on the streets eating fucking 99 cent sliced pizzas, like wasted. Cause that's what, that's what I do normally, you know, and they love that shit. And like, those are some good fucking dudes. And a lot of them are going to be coming back again um, at the end of August this year for the, for the draft again. So, yeah, I mean, most of it is really just like, you know, what I would do with my friends on the weekend, but that's, you know, again, it, it's about not being put into a box. Like that's what I like doing and that's how I'm going to live my life. And that's how I want to share the life with uh, my audience in the end. Be yourself, Doug. That's awesome. Just shouts to that. And uh, you know, that's, that's kind of your, your, uh, listener league, follower league. And then of course you have your league of record, if you will, the E-Town Get Down, which we went into a little bit ago. It's your 11th season coming up. Um, and our league of record, uh, we have an all inner fold because we, we all kind of met as, as just poker cats years ago in college and shit. Like every Thursday night we had a poker game and then we started playing fantasy football and playing softball and shit. And we've just been a group <laughs> of homies for years. Cool. Um, so we've been doing it for, this is actually our 10th year. Um, but I was curious, you know, do you have, 
all the same members from the first year? And do you have people all over the country? Are most of you like in the same area? And how, you know, how does the, the live draft go down if, if those are the factors? Because, you know, for us really quick, we, st- we all started as kind of like Oregon homies and a couple of my Cali buddies from back in the day. Uh, but we were close enough to make it happen. Ten years later, I mean, fuck, dude, people are all over the world. I mean, people are married, having kids. I mean, families and shit. Like, it's just different. So yeah. our live draft consists of, like, five of us. Skyping in or something. And then, yeah, we're streaming or we're phone calling and fucking it's, – it's just kind of a – it's not what we'd like it to be. But yeah. it's still live draft enough to, like, talk shit and have fun and, and spit game. And we do a keeper league. So it's a, lot of, it's a lot of fun there. But how do you all handle your side of things? And then, again, is there anything unique to your particular – um, you know, league of record uh, away from, you know, many, maybe other leagues that you're in. Yeah. So this will be our 11th year. And when we first started, it was one, it was an online draft Two, It was like eight members. Um, three of them who I haven't even been in contact with for like five years. So it was super random. Me and snacks have been in the league since year one. Um, and I would say probably half the members that are in the league right now were in it from year one. But it is transition, definitely new people. And we, we try to, you know, evolve a little bit every year as a league and really take it to the next level. Um, but we've definitely switched out members. I would say over the last, like, four years, five years, uh, we've been pretty constant with the same people. Um, maybe, like, one or two swap outs for people. You know, year over year, we, we raise the buy-in. For, so for people that, you know, don't want to pay $500 or whatever, that don't really care about football, it makes sense for them to kind of drop out and fill in with someone else that wants to. Everyone in the league is from my hometown. So we all went to the same high school. Uh, not all the same years. We have, I think Snacks is probably the youngest one in there. Maybe one other person, same age as him, but like maybe, I don't know, a few months younger. Uh, up to someone who probably around your age, he graduated same high school, but like years ahead of me. Um, but everyone, you know, that's, that's like our common thread there. And thinking about it, I honestly might be, we have the draft in town every year. Um, one of my friends stayed in town, but bought a house in town. So he's got his own, his own house with his, his wife now. Fucking weird to say his wife, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> they're like kind of newlywed. And it's just like, I don't know. I've just known him since we were like fucking four. So um, we, we drafted. So Snacks' aunt is, uh, she like owns a law firm and she would let us do our live drafts like in the war room in the law firm. So that was really fun when we used to do that. We used to like, you know, get real fucking dressed up. We always dress up. We still do like fucking suits and ties and everything. Um, But now we transition to my friend's basement because it's like a two minute drive for everybody. Super easy to set up shit. We can, you know, get down as hard as we want. And uh, we've been there for like the last few years. And um, I, I would say like what makes it unique is one, like I love doing the fucking blogs. Like those are so fun to make. And we put out like our live draft every year, the whole day, like the whole back scene of me, like fucking printing out my rankings and going to get my food from quick check or, you know, the shop right or whatever. Um, so we, we add that stuff in there, but we also like mandatory um, suits and uh, suits and ties are, you know, yeah, you have to do that. Otherwise you're like forfeiting a ninth round pick. We have like a, a serious contract that everybody signs. Um, and we have a punishment, a loser punishment every year, which is um, always, very uh embarrassing usually humiliating the problem this year i actually think i'm the farthest one away from where we're going to be drafting this year now that i'm in brooklyn which is a good problem to have because i go back every i drive back to our hometown every monday to film with snacks and animal um so it's not really a problem everyone else is probably within 30 minute driving range not nothing more than that so we can figure that stuff out 
the problem now is like, I'm so fucking busy during the summer. Um, and we always have our in-person league meetings, but now that people are like, you know, I, I mean, I'm sure you would know this now, the fact that you can't even get people together for the actual live draft, like getting everyone together for league meetings out of the fucking question. So that's going to be a little bit harder as we do that. And now, you know, as the commissioner, I'm organizing the league meeting, uh, trying to figure out like when to do the league punishment. Cause these are usually like public things. So I need to organize with like whatever event it's coinciding with, um, along with obviously getting out the content and doing shit like this. So it's getting a little bit difficult to be like the full commissioner of this stuff, but the league, yeah, the league is just so much fun. And it's just like, we try to make it a little more unique every year in, not in terms of like scoring settings and things like that. We're pretty set on how we like things, but just in terms of like the outside things. Cause again, like going back to fade the public and the E-Town get down league, I, I feel like this could turn into like its own reality show of sorts. Yeah. Yeah. Cause y'all have the, can you go into that actually real quick? Oh, I was confession that, team? Y'all have like the, you know, back in the good old days when fucking, you know, MTV road rules and real world was like dope. Yes. They had the fucking little like confession cams and shit. And I know y'all get into it. Um, I think that's fun as hell, dude. What explain that real quick about how you guys, what, what you guys do with that? Yeah. So, uh, that was exactly like the inspiration behind it. I was like, yo, the confession cams on those things are the best fucking parts of those shows, like the real world. And, and when you get them, when they're like hammered coming home from the bar at like 2am, I'm like, there's nothing better than a fucking ridiculous rant that one of them goes on. I was like, yo, like if we just put this in the corner of our draft and like have people go up, that shit would be so funny. Uh, when we first started, so that's what we do. Like if, you know, if you want to talk shit about someone else's pick, or if you want to talk about like what your strategy is going forward, if you just want to say like ignorant shit into the camera, this is all fair game into the confession cam. And we edit up and chop it into the video. And that's definitely like my favorite part of the video. When I first started it, again, it goes back to like, you know, not everyone is willing to like put themselves on camera and stuff. Um, I would say it was like me and maybe like two other people said anything into the camera. And then the next year, maybe we got one more guy. And the next year, another guy came into the league that was just like a natural, really fucking funny person. So he was, he loved to be on the camera. And now that like, you know, the channel and the brand is getting a little more clout, I'm sure we'll have 90% of the people, you know, uh, putting their face onto the confession cam now and get it rolling. But something we want to do for Fade the Public is we're telling people to do a confession cam at their league, um, no matter if they're even filming it or not, but the actual like vlog of the league, but do a confession cam at your live draft and have everybody do it and then send us the footage. And we're going to, we're going to chop up like a best of from all the footage that we get and see like what kind of funny shit we come across. So I think it's such a good thing to add to your thing, uh, to, to your draft. Like you might be like, this is kind of weird but I promise you won't regret doing it. Like you will laugh, look back and be like, wow, this was fucking hilarious. Like what X, Y, and Z said at this time, you know? Dude, that's super dope. I like that a lot. Um, and like I said, unfortunately with our, uh, you know, 10 years ago, everybody was at the draft and for about, yeah. I don't know, the first maybe four or five years, everybody was at the draft. It was a blast and every pick, you, you know, you have somebody talking shit or whatever. It's a good idea. But um, now just people are all over the place. So it's kind of tough. Yeah. Um, but being the commissioner, you know, setting things up like that, coming up with those ideas, making, implementing all that shit. Do you have some commissioner tips to just the listeners in general? Like people who are like, look, I'm a nerd about fantasy football and I'm going to fucking set up a league and I bet I could get 10 to 12 other friends to like join the league. But I know that I'm going to have to do everything, set up the league, set up the draft picks, set up the draft time, do all the shit. Do you have some quick, you know, picks, maybe like, you know, uh, money collection, which I know you have, you have a particular money collection avenue, which you should rep, um, you know, rule decisions. There you go. Uh, you know, rule decisions, like how y'all come up with shit. Like, is it, yeah. is it PPR? Is it fucking blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, how do you do setting changes, group votes, vetoes? I know, again, a lot of this stuff that I'm asking you, I know that you have uh, episodes directly um, 
connected to this, but I'm trying to like wrap it all into one big interview for, for people, fine. you know? Um, but again, you know, people can uh, dissect your content hopefully after this and go back on shit, but it's really quick commissioner stuff. How do you run the league and how do you get shit done with so many people like group chat or whatever? Um, Cause yeah. it is, it is a mess, dude. I, I know, I know. All yeah. That. It's absolutely a fucking mess. And I think that's rule number one is acknowledging to yourself that it's a lot of fucking hard work. Like it's cool being the commissioner, but a lot of times it sucks and you, you put a lot on your own plate. It's like, yes, you have to organize like my, my nine fucking assholes in the E-Town get down that I have to like consistently tell them where to be, what we're doing, tell them what I told them six fucking times already for the seventh time. You know what I mean? Before people get it. So yeah, I mean, it's a lot of work. And if you don't think you could put together a league uh, with guys that are committed, I honestly wouldn't even try because that shit's going to fall apart quickly. You have to make sure that the people are committed as a commissioner. Like you really buy, you got to be committed and you have to be organized and you have to have like your shit needs to be sharp. Otherwise no one's going to fucking listen to you. Um, in terms of like group, group chat, some kind of group thing, I would not suggest just text message string because that shit just gets out of control and it's blowing up your phone the whole time. We use group me. I think group me is fantastic because it's, um, it's good for just a group chat. It's made specifically for group chat, but it also has other ways of engaging. Like they have a little heart next to each message that you can like heart. If someone says some shit funny, they have like an implemented like gift platform and meme platform that you can send through, which obviously always makes that shit way better. And you can mute chats if you don't want the notifications hopping up on your phone. So number one priority is getting a group chat that you can all stay organized in. Um, in terms of collecting money. Yes, we are uh, working with a company called teamstake.com now. And uh, what they do is they basically cut out the act of you having to collect money from people, whether it's from PayPal or Venmo or cash on hand. And you literally sign your league up. You don't like run your league on there. Like you're still on Yahoo, but you go on to team stake and you create the league basically. And it gives you a, a unique URL and you can set up the settings. So it's super customizable and you just send the URL out to your friends and they pay on there and team stake holds the money um, that you guys bought in with and pays out whatever customization payout you guys want to set up. Um, first, second, third, most points, fucking uh, weekly points or whatever it is, right? Um, so teamstake.com has been a fucking lifesaver for me, especially with people that I don't know well. Like if I'm doing a subscriber league for people that I don't ever actually meet in person, um, if we're just over the internet or something, and if you, know, if you are just over the internet, that's like a perfect site for you guys. Um, so we use TeamStake for that. That's been super helpful in terms of the league setting. So we do have PPR that will always be and forever be like the, the best setting that we do. We love Superflex now. I don't think we'll ever go back on Superflex. Uh, keepers, we, I mean, when you have a very good season long league, like when the best night of your league is draft night, I would say try to take as, as less away from that as possible. So with keeper leagues, I hear a lot of people like, oh, we're like a four man keeper league. And I'm like, that sucks because that means like the top 40 players are off the board and drafts night's just like not that fun, you know? So what we've settled on is one keeper per team, a max of one keeper. And some, some teams don't even keep a player. Uh, they had to have been picked in the 10th round or later. Um, and, and they're eligible to be kept no free agents from the previous year. Um, so it's 10th round or later. So good on you for drafting that late in the draft. If you're good on picking up on sleepers or whatever, but at the same time, it's like you don't take away – at worst, you're taking away like six players within the top 30 or 40 picks, you know? So uh, I would say keepers, keep it to a minimal if your most important aspect of it is draft night. Like we love draft night, but if all the best players are off the board, it's still fun, but it's not as fun. So with keepers, I'd say go minimal. Um, 
dynasty leagues are really fucking fun, but that's really hard to keep organized. That's really hard to do like a live event for because you only have like a rookie draft every year. So that's more of an like an online thing. Um, league meetings, yeah. In terms of like voting for stuff, we have our in-person le- uh, league meeting every year where usually we'll get eight out of 10 members and like one or two will have to Skype in. So any rule changes, basically I'll come to the event with maybe like eight or 10 rule changes that I want to discuss. Not necessarily that I want, but maybe other people would like to discuss. And I'll throw it out there. And if we have a majority vote, so six out of 10, we'll change the rule. If it's money related in terms of like buy-in, it needs to be a majority vote. Um, because obviously, you know, if there's one person that can't pay, like we can't do that, you know? So that's always majority money wise. Um, yeah, league voting is, is six out of 10. I will put out my um, initial thoughts on what we might want to change. And then we'll go around the circle if other people want to introduce a new rule, like, hey, we want to add a fucking third running back in the starting lineup or whatever. Sure, you could say that out if, you know, if it gets turned down, it gets turned down. So um, totally a, a democracy in that sense. But going back to being the commissioner, it's like, you, you got to rule it like a dictator a, a lot of the time because people just don't fucking listen. So those are the best tips I can, I guess I can give. Excellent. Right on. Last year we used team stake for the first time. We've been a one, we've been a one keeper league forever. And this year uh, we are working on implementing a second keeper, but our rule would be that the, you know, one of those keepers can be anywhere. So if you draft the girly and I mean, this is a shitty year to talk about this, I guess, but for example, you get the first, you say Saquon. Okay. And you get them in the top five picks last year and you want to just keep them and say you're the back of the 12th pick or whatever. You want to keep them in the first round like that. Cool. But then your second keeper, at least one of your keepers, has to be 10th rounder after. I like that a lot because then it, like, two years ago I kept uh, – or last year I kept Alvin Kamara in the 10th round, and I had A, B, and Mixon and all these other fucking studs with Kamara on top of that, right. which was, you know, kind of unfair and ended up smashing. So um, I like that a lot um, if you're going to go that far. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, just, you know, fantasy leagues in general, uh, we've gone over a, a lot of this stuff, but you like half PPR. Um and what are kind of like your least favorite uh, fantasy rules or settings that, that people get into? Like, what are things that you just don't like? It looks like y'all are more into the super flex, which obviously is the, the chance for two quarterbacks, which I like yeah. a lot. It opens up the position a lot and all those other things. Um, what are some of the, the things that you don't like about fantasy football leagues in general that you wish positionally or, or whatever? That you yeah, wish I hate the one. I, I hate the whole one quarterback thing only because it's just, it's just like so fucking lazy. Like, I could just sit here and be like, don't draft anyone. Just draft four players in the rounds 14 through 17. It's just dumb. You know what I mean? Like, make fantasy football more fun. And uh, so I would immediately go to Superflex if you don't have Superflex League. I absolutely hate kickers because you can't prepare for them. You're just lucky or you're not lucky that given week. So we took any league that I'm the commissioner of, we no longer have kickers. Um, I like keeping defenses in because I think you can gain a, a, an advantage when it comes to defenses and pick the right teams. But with kickers, like, it's just so fucking hit and miss. You know, you could pick a kicker on a good offense, but they're just going to score seven touchdowns that day and you get, you know, six points from extra points. So I hate kickers. Uh, we did half point per first down for one year, uh, nixed it right away. I like the idea of that because it's valuable in real life football, but it's not integrated into fantasy football enough um, to the point where like, again, like you can't really predict it because when you're doing research, you're never like on a site that has it's like, oh, rushing yards, touchdowns, receptions here's your half ppr fantasy points for the year it's never ingrained into that you never know what's going on during the game like they don't pop up numbers and be like oh he has six first downs today you know um so it's like it's not not something you can really prepare for like you can dig deep but it's until it's mainstream i I don't want to include that into these statistics there are a lot of people that do i've been against bonus points for a long time but 
I'm in the Scott. I'm in the middle of drafting in the Scott Fishbowl right now, and the bonus points on that are fucking crazy. But I kind of like it. Like it's an extra five points for every fifty rushing yards, and or fifty receiving yards. So like Christian McCaffrey who goes off for 150 rushing yards plus 100 receiving, that's 25 fucking bonus points right there in one game. Um, and I think it's really cool. I th- and and like Lamar Jackson in that sense will have an extra like. 10 points from rushing just from a floor from like half point per first down plus the 70 rushing yards that he gets. So uh, I think that that scoring setting is really fucking cool. And I was against bonus points for a long time until I started strategizing for this draft. And I'm like, this is, you know, this is, this is cool. It rewards people who want to put a little more research into it. So bonus points are cool. Um, And there are a lot of unique rules. I think I've heard that, uh, that I don't know if I'd implement necessarily, but there are a lot of people doing cool shit in their, in their league. Do you have anything like weird in, in your league in terms of settings? Yeah. So actually like way back in the day, we actually started with two defenses, which I know is weird. I've never heard anybody else do it ever again, but we did, it was kind of the same idea of like the quarterback thing a little bit. Uh, we also started with a point per completion for quarterbacks. Okay. So, I mean, literally, dude, so I had Mike Vick um, in the game that he fucking just thrashed the Redskins, right? So he scored 94 points in that league. Just him by himself. Just Christ, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, it, was, it, was, it was nuts. And so we ended up eliminating a lot of that, like, super steroid shit over the years. But one thing we do keep is we do have bonuses. So a, uh, a 40 or a 50-yard touchdown – um, rushing or receiving is a bonus four or five points okay. we have that stuff we had two defenses for a long time just because like you know back when we were doing it like the Seahawks and the 49ers and you know uh the, those teams were like upper echelon so dominant and, yeah but but it's almost like you have to play a shitty one too yeah so if you if you play someone that's terrible I don't know Dolphins or whatever sometimes like the Dolphins have three defensive touchdowns randomly one week and I don't know, it just, it, it, it added this like completely. That's, that's interesting. That's, I would honestly like, I almost think I would prefer that to one defense. Now that I think about it, that's pretty cool. It's, it is kind of cool. And it's, it's another thing that like you, you can prepare for. Now here's another thing too. It's kind of one of those things where if you're in a serious league, it can kind of fuck up your draft, good or bad. Whereas like this year, let's say, I don't know, let's just pick the bears and the Jags. All right. Top two defenses. If, if you want to pick them that way, you can like, all of a sudden you're picking a defense in like the eighth round, mm-hmm. which I know in the industry, like you don't want to be that bozo, but yeah. it's just two quarterback leagues where if you're in a two quarterback league or a thing, all of a sudden you're picking Mahomes or Luck or Watson or Rogers or whatever in like the, the second round, because you and best interesting. Yeah. And it just, it just mixes it up a little bit. That's all it, it, it kind of throws wrenches and, and then you can plan as much as you want, but you almost have to like, you have to audible all the time and you have to kind of like make decisions on the fly. So let's get into uh, some player values. You know, we're talking about the draft, all these different settings, all these different, um, you know, ways to go about having your roster developed Uh, two defenses, half PPR, full PPR, um, you know, tight end features, bonuses, things like that. Let's get into some actual players here. Again, I appreciate your time, man. I'd love to have you back on another time to just, you know, get all this stuff out of the way and talk some fucking, fantasy football as we get down here but really quick I want to get your opinions on a few things you know my my listeners uh hear my opinions on these all the time but I want to make sure they're hearing yours and then of course you know candlestick kids make sure you go uh follow Nick and uh, BDGE of course and I'll let you rep all your avenues here in just a second but why don't you rifle off real quick man um give some value players for each position sleepers breakouts and your team go very in depth with yeah. these players um, 
we want to make sure that everybody goes back to these episodes on your side uh, through your through your network. So um, throw out a couple names per uh, per area there, but then they can find more value later on, statistical breakdowns and such. They can find those on your previous episodes. All right. So I wrote down on the show sheet a bunch of players at these things. I'm going to try my best not to get in-depth at all on any of these guys. So value at the quarterback position, Carson Wentz. He's like top three among the MVP candidates. Uh, supposedly he is fully healthy with no restrictions. They put a ridiculous amount of weapons around him between Jaws, Miles Sanders, um, Deshaun Jackson, Goddard coming to his second year. So the fact that he's getting drafted as quarterback 10 is a ridiculous value to me. Same with Dak. Dak's going at like quarterback 14. Um, but as soon as they got Amari Cooper in that offense, man, they uh, Dak flipped the switch, man. They started throwing the ball um, like eight times more per game. And his he was like the quarterback five in fantasy uh, over the last the second half of the year. So I think both of them are fantastic values. Um, quarterback, if you're going to wait until, you know, quarterback 10 to 12. Rashad Penny at the running back, workhorse size. Chris Carson's hurt right now. We don't know how serious it is. And uh, Rashad Penny came into the year last year, like just fat and out of shape. And this year, all the reports are that he's lost a lot of weight, looking good. Mike Davis is gone. A lot of touches. They run the ball more than anyone else. So Rashad Penny at running back, wide receiver, man, these old, these old heads, Larry Fitz, D-Jax. Um, Cardinals are going to run a shitload more plays. Larry Fitz was not bad whatsoever last year. I'm pretty sure he was a top 25 wide receiver in PPR on literally the worst offense of the last half decade. Bring in Cliff. I don't know if the team's going to be any good, but they're going to run a lot of plays. The offense is going to be a lot better. Kyler is a much more um, NFL-ready quarterback than Josh Rosen was last year. So Fitz, in my opinion, is going to put up tons of good PPR games. Love him. D-Jax on the flip side. Stack him up with Wentz. Um, uh, maybe there's a little bit of an inj injury risk there, but I think back with Wentz, who is a, um, a much more accurate, deep quarterback than what Deshaun Jackson has been working with in Tampa Bay over the last two years, three years, whatever. Um, love that right there. Tight end, honestly, there's no fucking values at tight end. Everyone sucks after like the first six, and you don't get them at values. Like you have to use premium picks. So tight end, I don't know. Maybe we'll get when, when we get to the sleepers. I like them. Sleepers, Lamar Jackson. Listen, if you're in a one quarterback league, like most people are, his upside is ridiculous. Drop him if it doesn't work out. Last year, he led the fucking NFL in quarterback rushing yards, and he started like seven games. If he plays all 16, he's going to fucking smash Mike Vick's record as the only quarterback that's ever rushed for over 1,000 yards, at least in the last like 40 years, whatever it is. So Lamar Jackson is going to have a, a ridiculous rushing floor. Um, again, one quarterback leagues. If he gets hurt, drop him. Go up, grab Mitch Trubisky, who's like quarterback 20. Royce Freeman, sleeper, obviously popular pick, but really fell off after Philip Lindsay took off. Philip Lindsay, just like uh, Rashad Penny, is this sophomore running back who is coming into the offseason hurt. They have a whole new coaching staff, so both of them are going to have to re-earn their role. Freeman's the one getting the ones right now. He's getting the ones, uh, the, the totes right now with the coaching staff there, and they like what they see out of him. So Freeman's going to work his way into a timeshare there. MVS, I wanted to put him as my breakout, but I'd rather put him as my sleeper because he's a little bit more unknown. He's running with the twos, or he's running with the ones as a wide receiver two in Green Bay. Anyone that's two with Aaron Rodgers is cool on my team. John Allison is not anywhere near as athletically gifted as a guy like MVS is. So that tells me Rodgers is going to target MVS. He's one of the most quarter, uh, accurate quarterbacks in the league in the history, right? He's someone who throws the outside hashes. He doesn't have to rely on the slot or the tight ends. That's why he doesn't throw there often. Um, so I imagine MVS kind of exploding into his second year. Mark Andrews is a sleeper tight end. Um, one stat I found very early in the offseason, over the last, since 2000, Mark Andrews' receiving yardage total last year, I don't remember what exactly it was, it was like 550, was the seventh highest rookie receiving yardage total of the last 20 years. Mark Andrews is being completely slept on. I know he has Lamar Jackson at quarterback, but he did that for the most part with Lamar Jackson at quarterback. He was like the only weapon on that team that was consistent. All reports out of camp so far is that Mark Andrews looks 
completely explosive. And that was who he was in college too. He was a great athlete at the position, a great uh, receiver. So I'm a big fan of, of uh, Mark Andrews this year as a sleeper tight end. You can get pretty late breakout Kyler in Arizona. I'm all in on that rushing upside, passing upside. It's all there. Breakout running back Marlon fucking Mack, Marlon Mack. It makes no sense that people are passing on Marlon Mack. He's the only running back in that offense in what's going to be a 12 to 13 win offense. He scored 10 fucking touchdowns last year in 12 games. Two or three of them, he was barely playing 30% of the snaps in because he was hurt. Given the full 16, he's going for 1,500 total yards and probably between 12 and 14 touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get Naeem Hines is there, but like Naeem Hines was doing shit while Marlon Mack was actually on the field. All of his production came when Mack was off the field. So if Mack is healthy, he's going to go fucking bonkers. Best third round pick you could possibly find this year in fantasy. Breakout Christian Kirk. Man, I'm going all in on fucking Arizona right now, huh? Christian Kirk, pair him up with Kyler Murray. Uh, Kirk was on ferocious pace last year as a rookie, um, completely explosive, someone that was dominant in college, and now he's in this offense that should, again, see a lot of plays run their way. Um, he's going to be running the slot outside, something he's done in college in the pros. So I'm all in on Christian Kirk this year as a breakout. And then O.J. Howard, if he's healthy, and uh, I've had Dr. Morse on my channel before, an actual doctor, he spoke on it. He's not concerned about O.J. Howard, which is surprising. He thinks he's maybe a, a good trade later in the year kind of candidate um at tight end because you know we're seeing similar issues lower leg injuries that happen towards the end of the year so maybe his stamina is not up there but none of them have been you know super serious to the point where they are predictive or probably going to occur again next year so um I'm all in on OJ Howard this year breaking out at the tight end position bust I'm gonna say more fade at their current draft position than a full-out bust because I love Baker Mayfield but nowhere near quarterback five because at the end of the year his stats are not going to be that much better than Kirk Cousins Kirk Cousins floor is probably like 4,200 passing yards and 27 28 touchdowns right that's what he gives pretty much year in year out if Baker Mayfield had that in his sophomore year like that wouldn't surprise me whatsoever I would peg him probably 4,300 4,400 passing yards 28 to 30 passing touchdowns which does not warrant like a fifth sixth seventh round pick he's not in that tier with guys like Luck and Rodgers who have 5,000 yard, 40 passing touchdown upside. He will in a year or two, but not right now. Uh, I'm not sold on that yet. So Baker's a guy I'm fading at quarterback based on where he's being picked. Um, running back, fuck, man. Uh, how much how much time we got here to talk about fucking running back bus? Because I can go all day on guys I don't like in the middle rounds. Devonta Freeman would be my number one guy. Um, I'm a Falcons fan. He has been absolutely destroyed over the last couple of years. He's a smaller guy that runs like he's bigger, and that's caused him to have so many concussions, so many lower leg injuries. I get that Tevin Coleman is gone, but like Freeman wasn't even really getting that much work the last time we've seen him on a field be productive, which was like in the beginning of you know 2017. He's got like 16 touches a game. So that hypothetical RB1 upside that everyone talks about is not there. Plus, he's one of the most injury, the highest injury risk players in fantasy football this year. So I'm not touching him anywhere fucking near his third round ADP. Same thing with uh, AJ Green. I think he's coming off a very serious toe injury that happened in like week 13. This is a long recovery timetable. It's also older. When you get older, you know, you don't necessarily fall off, but these things take more time to recover from, you know? Um, We've also haven't seen AJ Green really. I know he was like good in eight weeks last year, but he hasn't been like an elite fantasy wide receiver in terms of like being happy where you drafted him from year start to year's end, like four or five years. So him getting older, coming off this injury in an offense that we don't even think is really going to be that good you know who, who knows what Cincinnati is going to be like losing their best lineman right now um so I'm totally off green Trey Burton I also want nothing to do with I don't really feel like explaining it to be honest I'm fucking tired right now I'm about to drop the mic don't draft Trey Burton though 
<laughs> I love it. I love it. Thank you for blazing through all those, man. I, I agree with, with almost all of them. And, uh, you know, the only ones that don't, um, you know, are just, just, you know, looking at the upsides, you know, like AJ Green, whatever. I agree with your yeah. take. And I think that's the one, that's the one I, I could totally see myself being wrong on and I'll be okay with it. But yeah. like, I'm really confident that Vont Freeman is going to disappoint fantasy owners this year. I'm with you, man. And Dr. Jesse Morris has been a huge help on your podcast uh, for myself and on, on the YouTube channel and things like He's amazing. So shouts to him, first of all. Um, but, yo, everyone go check him out. Uh, before we get out of here, man, uh, one bold prediction maybe or two. I know you guys just dropped an episode uh, the other day, so make sure, you know, y'all go check that out. But um, could you give me one uh, one or two real quick? Yeah, I'll give you I'll give you three. I think Mac winds up uh, – all my bold predictions are going to fucking center around Marlon Mack this year. Marlon Mack finishes as a top five fantasy running back. I think uh, Devontae Adams finishes with – 50 more fantasy points than the next closest fantasy wide receiver. I think Josh Jacobs finishes outside of the top five fantasy rookie running backs. Excellent. Do you think that's an issue with him or do you think somebody else in Oakland is going to bog him down without getting too into it? Yeah, I, I think, uh, I think there's going to be multiple people in that backfield that eventually take away the roles that make what Josh Jacobs could be valuable. Like I don't imagine him getting all the goal line work. I don't imagine him getting all the passing work. Um, so in my eyes, he could very well end up being a between the twenties guy on a bad offense, you know, got it. And I have a mark here for crazy calls. You have any crazy calls down, which are basically just bold predictions, but kind of more ridiculous. Um, I think the three that you mentioned are nuts, uh, not nuts, but they're like, they're just, you know, um, they're bold predictions, but you could see them happening. Crazy calls in my opinion, or something like, I don't know, fucking Lamar Jackson being the overall, you know, QB one or something like that. Um, do you have any crazy calls that are maybe bold predictions, but a little bit deeper? Um, you know what? I didn't actually like really think about any ones that were crazy after I wrote those three down. I would almost, I would almost like ramp those up. If uh, I'm so fucking confident on Marlon Mack and Devonte Adams, like really going nuts this year, that I, I could throw Marlon Mack as um, as someone I could see cracking like the top three fantasy running backs. I may, might take like an injury or something, but I, I could totally see him getting in there if they just give him a little bit more passing work. Like, there's nothing stopping him from getting there in this offense. And then uh, Devontae Adams, like, I, I legit think we're going to see a record-breaking year from Adams. Like, you, I mean, you can never see a year where, you know, Calvin Johnson goes for 2,000 receiving yards. You can never predict that shit. But I feel like we're about to see it from Adams because everything Rodgers has said is just, we, I need to get him the ball more after he was already getting him the ball 15 times a game. So, like, what's stopping Adams from seeing 190, 200 targets, 130 catches, 1,700 receiving yards, 20 fucking passing touchdowns, you know? So give me fucking Adams shattering records. I don't know what the actual bull prediction is. Something with Adams. Love it. Love it. Cool. All right. And then real quick, I just want to have some fun here real quick. I want you to grade a trade that I did back in, uh, back in my freshman year of high school. So, my, so you're a Falcons fan. And back in my freshman year of high school, 2001, uh, for you kids out there, uh, I traded my Jamal Anderson jersey. And if anyone is listening to this podcast, you don't know who Jamal Anderson is, you're fucking up. Please go check that out. Uh, but I traded my Jamal Anderson jersey for Barry Sanders, who's keep, my favorite all-time player. Keep talking. Keep talking. I'll be right back. I already know what the, the trade question was. I read it. But keep talking to the audience. You got it. All right. So I traded in 2001 my Jamal Anderson jersey for Barry Sanders, who is my favorite all-time player. Now, this is after the Dirty Bird had 1,000-plus rushing yards and six touchdowns in 2000. There it is. Oh. Career year in 1998, taking the Falcons all the way to the Super Bowl. Well, unfortunately, they, they came up short against Elway, but he finished as the RB3 that year overall in full PPR behind only Terrell Davis, who ran for 2,008 yards that year. 
first in the NFL, and Marshall Falk, who had 86 receptions, third overall in the NFL entirely. But in 2001, Anderson only played three games. He got hurt, and his career kind of ended there. So I happened to sell high. I love Jamal Anderson and what he did for a league, but I got a Barry Sanders jersey out of it. Obviously, you're a Falcons fan. You've got that fucking clean-ass jersey. I would love to have one nowadays. Uh, at the time, at the time, was it a – how do you grade the trade? Listen, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grade this more on like a swag factor. I, I, I feel like is, – is that the one you had, the all-black? Oh, bro, that's the only one to have. Yeah, like if that shit is just too, too clean to give up. And I would argue that jerseys after a player is out of their prime – probably have more swag than when a player actually is in their prime. You know what I mean? You're like, oh, fuck, like that guy was the man like five years ago. I feel like I respect those jerseys more than I actually respect the jerseys of players in their prime. So you're going to fucking hold that L for giving away the jersey. Uh, fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. I dig it. I just, man, Barry Sanders is, is my, my all-time all dog. So yeah. I dig it, and I would love to, to get another Jamal Anderson jersey. Uh, before I get out of here, a couple more questions. Who's your favorite player all-time for fantasy and uh, the NFL? Mike Vick is the reason I'm a Falcons fan. I'm not from Atlanta. They asked me why. He was just the most fucking – I was like 11. He was the most polarizing thing anyone's ever seen. And uh, I kind of stuck with him since. I was really young when, like, we could have drafted him in fantasy, but I'm sure he was on every single one of my teams as, like, the number one overall pick. Bro, I told you in that, in that steroid league we played with points per completion, he yeah. scored 94 points in one game. Unbelievable, man. The dude's uh, one of the best things. Hopefully uh, we'll see if, if Kyler Murray could be the next gen. But, man, the big, big shoes to fill for sure. Yeah. Uh, what are you most looking forward to in 2019 in regards to fantasy football, NFL, BDGE, whatever? Uh, we've gone into already some goals and things that you're working on, but like just in general, um, what are you stoked on heading into this uh, this next upcoming season? Shit, man, I'm ready for the season to be over already. I feel like I've gone through fucking seven seasons in this off season. Now nah, it's uh, we do it, it a little bit different than other people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's a grind. I dude, I, I'm just so fucking excited for the season to actually start and like you know, because I've talked about fantasy football nonstop for four fucking months. And like, we haven't even played any fantasy football yet. So it's crazy. It's fun doing it year round, but like it does get exhausting. Um, so I'm, I'm just most looking forward to the NFL kicking off. And as much as I, you know, am passionate about the business side of things over, you know, I say like the research and the fantasy analysis, I put so much time into it. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to, I feel like I became a lot better as a fantasy player this year, like exponentially better. And for good reasons. Like there are a lot of things that I didn't realize in prior years and through my analysis, I feel like it's way better. So I want to see if I'm still just like a fucking coin flip and just talking a bunch of bullshit and wrapping numbers around it, or if my analysis is actually fucking spot on. So I'm really looking forward to whether or not um, I actually gave out good advice this year. Love it, bro. Likewise. We, we spent a lot of time in the off season uh, this year after our first season last year, spending uh, you know quite a bit of time on recap episodes, right? You go through your yep. breakups, plus all the shit. And we reviewed all those to see where we were actually at. So, man, please tell tell my listeners where they can find you and BDGE, um, and uh, and we'll get out of here. Dope. Um, well, first of all, great, all the great. avenues, bro. All the avenues. Yeah. Um, you could kind of just search my name on either YouTube or uh, Instagram's fine too. Just Nick Ercolano. That's the the name of the YouTube channel. And uh, I think it's the same thing for my personal Instagram. Once you're on those things, you could figure your way out to the other social medias because all the links are in the descriptions of the video. Um, and like you said, you know, if you're interested in these kind of talks, I have the, the series, the playlist on my YouTube channel. Um, so go check out the playlist with a bunch of the, the bigger names that we had mentioned before, plus, you know, a handful of other guys. 
Um, but yeah, man, thanks for, thanks for having me on. I fucking love having conversations like this. Um, so yeah, th thanks a lot, man. Appreciate it. Likewise. You're the man, Nick. I really appreciate you. Shouts out to uh, you and your crew and big dogs, you know, bringing big facts only. It's a big deal, man. Like being fucking real and yourself and, and uh, you know, fading the public is a big deal. I know, again, y'all have a lot of taglines, but they're not taglines if they're fucking real. So I don't want to. They're them. lifestyles, man. Lifestyle brands, bro. Well, I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for helping us celebrate the hundredth episode of the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Podcast. I hope that we can someday have you back on again real soon, man. And best of luck to you and everybody else in this uh, 2019 season. Yeah, can't wait. Hey, hey.